What is up, wrestling fans, and welcome back to episode 518 of the Smart Out Moment Smack Talk podcast, Hot Tags of the Week, where we break down all the news and ongoings in the world of wrestling. I am not your host, as always, Tony Mango. I am your co-host, Robert D. Felice, usually, but today I have a co-host, Kel Wiggins. Yep, I'm alongside you here. It's uh, nice of you to invite me along for the... Uh, Hot tags after um, Tony's uh, sudden departure from the entire channel. Goodbye, Tony. It's, uh, yeah, it's nice I mean, knowing no. you. Well, maybe. I mean, obviously, Tony Mango is getting married or has gotten married as you hear this. And we're going to take over for the week just to keep you guys updated with all the news going on in the world of wrestling. So how yeah. are you doing this week, Alan? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. It's been, uh, it's been a little while since our um, 10th anniversary edition of the... Um, of this mark amount uh like the podcast in general and doing that extra long edition with you me tony uh Payton and, uh, and, and, and drew joining us as well just back to us two for the time being obviously us here with tony enjoying a well-deserved break over at uh over in brazil i don't know if he's yeah. over in brazil just yet but uh he's enjoying the uh, honeymoon period he's going to be away from the uh, podcast for a little while of course you can still hear a lot of him and hear all of us in terms of the stuff that we've pre-recorded prior to uh, this with um, all our mock draft of the all-time WWE roster. And yeah, so that stuff has gone out live and you'll be hearing all of the additional cards that we come up with based on the draft that we did over on the uh, YouTube channel and through the podcast feeds. Which is probably something is we- worth, yeah, it is worth noting that... We- we don't know if this will be hitting YouTube. This will at least go out on the traditional podcast feeds. But as Tony is, you know, tending to other things, we don't know if he's going to actually make a thumbnail and upload this to YouTube. So please support us on all our podcast feeds and stay on the YouTube and check out all that uh, fantasy booking stuff because that was a blast to record. And as always, support us through Patreon, Redbubble, TeePublic, all those merchandise websites, because even a dollar goes a long way. We are a very small operation here at Smart Out Moment, and every penny counts, and we do appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, absolutely. Check out, yeah, as I was saying, just check out patreon.com slash Moment. Check out, as, as Rob says, all the merchandise shops. Check out smartcoutmoment.com website for all the articles, all the weekly stuff that goes on out there as well. And yeah, there's a there's a lot of news, so we probably should uh, be diving straight into it. It might be for a few other little plugs and bits and pieces as we go along. Yeah, as is usual when you and I get together, usually for a retro podcast, the news of the week, they're not a lot of happy bits. No. Very, uh, very glib this week. But I think one thing that we should start off with is John Moxley entering an inpatient alcohol treatment program now this news dropped on tuesday night you know right as you're going into wednesday for dynamite tony khan shared on twitter that john moxley is entering an alcohol treatment program and it is unknown when he will return to the ring but right now he's doing what he needs to do to care for himself and his family and first of all this is very surprising to hear but Above all else, even though it's a bit of a bummer that John won't be on TV and that he's going through these issues, 
good on John Moxley for getting the help he needs, and good on John Moxley for reaching out and asking for that help. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear to see with like the outpouring of support that Moxley has received through Twitter and any other form of platform. It's it's the most courageous decision to know that you're suffering through these sort of problems, like whether it's alcohol related, drug related, anything anything of that regards. And to recognise that you do have a problem and being willing to stand up and take ownership of that problem and do something about it. And so that's a really brave call for him to make, especially considering the fact that per all like speculation that was leading into he was part of the um, world title eliminator tournament that's going on right now, it was likely that he would have uh, defeated Orange Cassidy on the episode of Dynamite and advanced to the finals take on uh, Brian Danielson because that would have been speculated for a while and then there was a lot of speculation that he might have been the one to win it as well and then be the first challenger for whoever was going to well, be a challenger for whoever won the world title match uh, yeah so being able to like take perspective put yourself first, put your family first and go seek the treatment that you you feel you need is, yeah, it was a, it's a really brave decision and all the support to John Moxley and uh, Renee and his entire family for during this time that they're going to be, yeah, during this uh, challenging time, I imagine, for all of them. Yeah, and like you said, it's just, it's very cool that he was able to have the wherewithal to just say, you know what, Yes, I'm on a great run. Yes, things are going great. But I need to do this for myself and for my family. So let me pull myself out of the equation here. Because as we'll talk about when we talk about our show reviews, it's very likely he was going to at least head to full gear and face Brian Danielson. And it's it's nice that he was able to say, you know what, this means more than wrestling right now. And... I know other promotions like Defy Wrestling came out and said they support him. And there was no real mention of what would become of the GCW title, but he does hold that as well. I'm sure they'll figure that out as they need to. And yeah, just kudos to John Moxley, and we will update you on his situation as more updates are made available. Absolutely. So when Tony's usually doing this, he usually tries to get a lot of the um, the smaller stuff out of the way early but I feel like we're, we're in charge now it's the inmates running the asylum essentially for the, the time being so we've already spoken about John Moxley I feel that's one of the biggest story of the week but let's talk about the the absolute top story because this is going to take up a a huge amount of this uh, a huge proportion of this podcast which is WWE released 18 superstars uh, from their contracts this week on a and they ain't small names, folks. No, it was a um, it was a collection of main roster and NXT talent, and yeah, it's just a extensive list of people. So I'm going to go through each and every one of these 18 people. I want to get like you're obviously we'll, we'll talk about each one, but I'm going to go on them based on what I kind of not too obviously it's obviously terrible that any of these people have lost their jobs, but I feel like the ones that we might have the least amount to say and then build up to the real heavy hitters at the end. Yeah, there is quite a disparity. No disrespect to anybody who's lost their job, but the varying quality here is insane. So let's start with Jeet Rama. Yep. That's the one I would have started with. And listen, he was there for six years. 
He was there well before they were doing the NXT India stuff. It's very clear that that is off the table. I do not fault them for saying, hey, let's part ways. Maybe we'll meet again down the road. Jeet Rama did have a pretty good match with AJ Styles at Superstar Spectacle. I don't know if you ever watched that show, but I thought that was one of the better ones. And I'm sure when the time is right, he will find a home again. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he... The only match that I've ever seen Jeet Rama was the one most recent episode of NXT 2.0 when he lost to uh, Solo, Solo Sokoa in Sokoa's debut. Um, it seems quite... Um, I, I can't really wrap my head around the fact that he was with the company for six years considering the fact that he probably had... Because you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, he probably only had like two or three televised matches. And just, again, it's, it kind of strengthens my opinions about what is this performance center actually doing and well or, or what is creative doing with these people in this performance center like surely after six years you'd imagine he'd at least get an opportunity beyond I think, the fact that he was indian and so he would appear on superstar spectacle i think triple h the vision he had for the performance center is gone now and i think the new vision for the performance center will be a like straight up all right we're taking brand new people and we're going to mold them into our image of a wwe superstar and i think that's one of the reasons why you've seen a lot of these nxt releases and jeet rama is probably like look we're not doing the expansion there is no place for you right now Let's just part ways. Because it's one thing, I have a theory, and we'll talk about it as we go on, but I believe that WWE no longer feels morally obligated to try to house as many professional wrestlers as possible because there is actually another place to work now. So I think that that's changed a lot of things for them. And we we can talk about a theory. I... I personally struggle to believe the concept of WWE showing any kind of uh, moral obligation or empathy towards anybody, <laughs> considering what they've just done with uh, releasing a huge amount of their talent. I don't feel, I never felt like their reason of signing so many people on the independent circuit and stockpiling wrestlers was due to a feeling of wanting to house the most amount of talent possible. I thought it was a case of, okay, AEW is probably starting soon get everybody in, prevent them from growing. They'll die within a year of being formed. And now uh, Nick Khan's here and things are starting to operate a little bit differently. But we're only well, still I, the first. See, like, I'm looking at it like the when Triple H first started taking over talent development, like he might have thought as a wrestler, hey, you know, there's nowhere else to work. Maybe we should try to do something with some of these independent names. Because that was really a strength of the NXT, if you want to call it NXT 1.0 or whatever, but, like, that was really a strength. Now, that's completely out the window. Yeah. Well, yeah, we can definitely talk about the fact that I, I don't doubt that Triple H did want to sign a lot of, was looking at, he's a, he's a wrestler's, he has a wrestler's perspective of things because he was obviously a wrestler as well. And so he identified talent and he could see the evolution of the business and so was keen on bringing in a lot of people from uh the actual independent circuit rather than collegiate athletes or anything along those lines that don't have traditional wrestling backgrounds but somebody who could be molded into the wwe style which is what seems the current iteration of nxt 2.0 is all about but 
it kind of leads into maybe a bit more of a wider statement. I know this has been speculated and talked about as well by other people, but uh, that Triple H is, has lost a significant amount of power behind the scenes. But right now, he's not even... Well, yeah, obviously right now he's not even actively available due to... Um... Right, like he's still out of commission, and we don't mm. even know, like, what what that means. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, but it, do- it does kind of feel like especially with a lot of the names that we're going to mention here, that it almost feels like, and, I don't, and again, I know people speculate, but it does feel like a message is being sent here. Oh, it does. Because it, it's but essentially, these people aren't just a, a random assortment of people. These are people who seemingly in some form or another is something that the Triple H would have intimated of like, yeah, I want this person for this reason, and I see a lot in this person, and then they've basically all gone up to the main roster or a lot of them have gone up to the main roster and just gone, nah, that kind of, that's, uh, that doesn't work for me, trips. Yeah, so. it's, it's insane, because not even, like, recent NXT names, we're going to talk about some names that, you know, even if you look back at, like, the Tyler Breeze era mm. of NXT, it's, everybody's just going away, and it makes you really wonder, is that, era of NXT as beloved as it was from 2015 to or even 2014 to 2020 let's say is that era ultimately a failure I think it depends on whose perspective you're looking at I mean if they want to look at it as a commercial or business or how they see the company moving forward I'd probably say they would see it as a failure I don't think obviously people that actually enjoyed the product would see it that way. I think it was a creative success for a lot of fans, but it's a structural failure, almost. I think I'd make the argument that NXT under Triple H brought a lot of prosperity and short-term gain. Very short-term. Like, Kevin Owens came in, he had a run, he ran through the main roster, he's probably leaving in February. You know what I mean? Like, short-term, NXT 1.0 provided a boom for WWE, but I don't think it provided any of the long-term gain outside of the Four Horsewomen that maybe they were hoping it would. Well, I guess we better progress along because we've only spoken about cheap drama so far. I'm going to, like, a lot more wider um, discussion points, but uh, focusing back on names, let's talk about uh, Katrina Cortez. So, I mean, this, yeah. is, this, is, this is a lot wider than um, just the release as well. But Truth Cortez, obviously, Tony's favourite wrestler, um, signed <laughs> signed in uh, August 2019. Uh, originally, um, originally the, went right up, right up to Monday Night Raw. Yeah, to, yeah. to uh, team up with um, Sin Cara in a feud between those two and Andrade and Selena Vega. Um, uh, wrestled last wrestled on October 29th, episode 205 Live, and lost to Saray. And, yeah, she's someone who, like, never really kind of, like, got any sort of real push or any sort of real notoriety. And it's not like, it's it's not a huge surprise that she's one of the people to be let go. You know what, though? I finally thought that they were going to start building her. Because it seemed like, okay, she's being featured more regularly on television. Maybe they're finally going to start putting an emphasis on getting her to the next level. And uh, clearly, 
they they weren't, and clearly they decided to cut bait. The sad thing here is she tweeted out yesterday, we're recording this on uh, Saturday, November 6th, she tweeted out on November 5th that she got an email stating that her work visa would expire in a month, and that even though she worked so hard to accomplish all these things and moved to a new country and just started over at 18, she had to sell a lot of what she achieved and she didn't know how she was going to, what her next move would be in her personal life, which I just think is awful. Like, yeah. that's, this is one of those things where we try to talk about WWE objectively as a wrestling company, but when you read shit and hear shit like this, you just get angry on a personal, because it's like, come on, you can do better to take care of people. Come on, you know? It's, yeah, it's it, it seems such awful timing with the idea that she leaves the company that's obviously employing her at the point when her visa is about to expire, which means that she's basically she's uprooted her life to join WWE, like presumably move to Florida, be part of the performance center, all that stuff. And now her visa is going to expire. She's going to have to go back to well, either work to try and uh, correct these issues, which would mean she would probably need some other form of employment. Realistically, she she can't be employed by anyone else for 30 days at the very least. And yeah, she'll have to go back and pretty much start from square one, which feels like a um You know, yeah, now, I wonder, thing. I don't want to speculate too hard, but I do wonder if like the, she did make friends in the performance center days with names like Ezra Judge, or Taikanti, people that are working elsewhere that can maybe help her. Because like that, that's such an uprooting thing, and that's so heartbreaking on top of losing this job that you've been working to improve that. And we, you know, we've made our jokes and had our fun, but, like, she obviously cared enough to uproot her life and make those moves. And I just think that it's a heartbreaking situation, and I hope that something can be done for her. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll move on to Zayda Ramir. Um, I only signed the company this year. Yeah. And, um, she was immediately, I don't say immediately pushed, but she, her first her debut match was against uh, Tony Storm, and they decided to go with the upset, like, oh, my God, she won against this established name straight away. And then she had a few other matches against... Um, like some more established names that I think she fought Soraya at some point. She teamed up with Zoe Stark against Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. Uh, but then she was she wasn't used. She hasn't been used since uh, NXT 2.0's rebrand. And yeah, she's gone as well. I'm I'm so shocked. Because... She seemed to be talented, but obviously we didn't see a lot of her. Well, she is very talented, and she's she's like one of the star pupils of Booker T. And I just, like, what happens there? You know, like, who makes the decision to just be like, nope, I I don't care for what you're bringing to the table? Because the way that they have chopped a lot of the women's division is insane. I've said this on the uh, Fightful AEW podcast. The women's division is the one area that WWE had a clear, they were miles ahead than AEW. How have they shipped the bed with this? How are you not saying, this is what we do better than you? 
let's, you know, keep growing women's wrestling. It really does feel like, on the whole, that women's wrestling is taking a huge backseat in WWE. And obviously, as we're going to mention through a lot of these names here, there's a there's a significant proportion of female talent that was released as part of these uh, cuts. So we've got more to mention, but um, move on to, I think, uh, Trey Baxter, I think is probably the next one to uh, Blake Christian about. already has uh, December 4th and December 17th dates at GCW. I was surprised he wasn't cut when Alex Zane was cut because I, I just saw that if they didn't want... Alex Zane, or you might know him as Ari Sterling, that they wouldn't want Trey Baxter. They kept him on. They put him with his real-life girlfriend on TV. The last thing he did on NXT TV was get beat up by Electra Lopez. Uh, He will be fine. He will probably work AEW Dark. He will be more than fine. I can't wait to see what he does. Yeah, he looks like someone who's immediately um, found his feet. He feels like someone who doesn't feel feel like he's going to be faced too badly by this... um, this uh this turn of events and as I say he's already found work with GCW he'll go back to there he'll work the independence I'm sure he'll appear on AEW dogs and stuff like that if they see a lot in him then they'll give him more of a, a look but yeah I'm, I'm sure he can land in impact he could land in a lot of other places that's another thing we'll talk about when we get through the end of this thing as well but yeah I think Trey Baxter is someone who will find his feet very quickly um Jesse Camilla um, I liked her in the Mae Young Classic. Yeah, uh, she she never did much. I thought she was better served as like the nerdy character than the kind of bougie Robert Stone brand character. That's another act I got chopped. You know, mm. uh, Jessica Mayo though. I hope she continues wrestling. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. I was never um I was never super enamored with her work so far, but. There is something about to be said about, well, I was never super enamored with uh, Tycon Cheese work in uh, NXT. And then right. she comes over to uh, she comes over to AEW and starts standing out. So She's maybe like, so, so maybe it's the environment, not the performer. Maybe it's a mixture of both. But I'm, I'm sure she'll find opportunities. It's, it makes me feel kind of um, disappointed that Ring of Honor, obviously, that's a big deal. It's the fact that Ring of Honor is going under or at least going to be taking a a a uh, hiatus because they were starting to build up their women's division and so she might have been able to find a good home there but i'm sure there were plenty of opportunities to come up impact's always looking for good new women's workers aw obviously needs to build up their women's roster and she might get opportunities on dark and elevation there's the indies yeah so i hope that she doesn't give this up yeah me, me neither but um here's a name i want to discuss because it's, they're, they're simultaneously a lot and nothing to say in Harry Smith. Yeah, like, so so this is this might might be one of the most bizarre out of all of them. I think there are two there there are a few ones that are like oh my god they actually got rid of them. This one's bizarre because so Harry Smith was obviously re-signed earlier this year and he appeared in a dark match on SmackDown. They did a little um I remember on YouTube they did a like a backstage interview thing with him saying like oh he's back and he's back, he's excited. And there seem to be plans about him going over to NXT UK, becoming like a big star on that roster. And then yeah, he's just gone. Without that... even appearing on any any like legitimate programming. So this pisses me off, because this is like Look, they they clearly don't care about second generation talent anymore. But 
It's the son of the bulldog. This is like Bret Hart's nephew. And it's not like he's bad. He's very, very good. Why in God's name wouldn't they say, hey, let's finally do something with you. You're a name. We can push you based on name value alone. You're a former WWE Tag Team Champion in our world. And there's also all of this lineage and history, and you're so good. By the way, they never aired that damn episode of Icons covering Bulldog. I, You know, it's, it's very weird how that whole thing went down. And Harry Smith told me at, like, early 2019, I interviewed him. And he told me JR wanted him bad for AEW, but he was under contract to MLW at the time. I hope to God we just push this man. He takes up the uh, British Bulldog Jr. name or Dave Boy Smith Jr. name again. I hope he's just runs to the top of like the AEW side of things because he's so good and his family. And by the way, great time to release him. There's something called the Owen Hart Memorial Cup being formed in AEW. And I can't think of a better name to at least be in the tournament than Harry Smith. No, yeah. Shocking. No, again, he's someone who I think will find work very easily. I feel like AEW is obviously a good option. I feel they could do something pairing him up with Varsity Blondes, maybe, because obviously there's the Brian Pillman connection there. So to have the second generation workers there. Um New Japan Strong, I feel, will be a very good place for him as well. Impact yeah, as well. Uh, Bulldog to... and Pillman were the Hart Foundation in MLW. Obviously, Harry Smith. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, uh, what's his name? Teddy Hart's not going to get a job. No. But uh, Brian Pillman and Harry Smith, great together. I hope he's in AEW real soon. And I, I, I can't believe they let him go. So let's move on to another one, which I feel is just utterly bizarre, considering recent events. Uh, BFAB. Um, so Hit Row were uh, recently, yeah, Hit yeah. Row recently drafted to uh, WWE SmackDown as the foursome. Obviously, um, she appeared in a few segments with them during their debut. They're coming into the ring in a backstage segment, and then she's gone. Hit Row's now free piece, and. I, I would say I only saw obviously a few matches because I think she only ever had a few matches on the promotions itself, like televised at the very least. And yeah, she did like a no DQ with Alexa Lopez. Yeah, and she wasn't. And... I, I don't think she was super impressive in ring, but she had personality. She was a good character. She was a part of that act. And you don't have to be, as we're going to talk about with at least one other person on this thing, you don't have to be a top level wrestler to be a crucial part of an act in a wrestling promotion. Of course, WWE is not a wrestling promotion, but we can talk about that in many different ways. But and look, I it, it, again, it's just it's just utterly bizarre about the fact that they called up the entire act and they said, okay, one of them's got to go. Just yeah, you know, it, again, it's left hand not talking to the right in so many instances. I don't like look. There's there's rumors, and I I don't know if we'll ever find out any more about this, but it's rumored that some of these releases are linked to vaccination status. I don't know if any of the main roster cuts were linked to that, but to let go of BFAB, if you, let, let's just say they decided, oh, we don't want her? Why? Then why did you call up the act of Hit Row? Like, she sang the damn theme song. Have they changed the theme song yet? I don't the know. I, 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 think, I think they don't. 
I think um, I saw someone at least tweet they don't they don't um, in their theme music they don't have the hit row thing at the start anymore. That's which was the whole thing that was over. Everybody that uh, I don't. What are you saying? This company is like taking stuff that was over in like their previous iteration and then immediately ridding them when they get to the main roster. I know. <laughs> something I'm like saying, that. I'm saying now they're just doing it with zero shame. Like now, like several of the names we're going to talk about here, they're just stripping them of everything with no shame. And again, I'm going to say this. And somebody asked about this on the investor call. Thank God. NXT's on USA. If you're going to just strip acts like that, put it back down to the network. And then when you call people up, there won't be so many expectations. NXT is on USA. How do you just do this? BFAB was shocking. BFAB is frustrating. Um, An act that I think we can lump these two men together because they were. Lucha House Party got cut. Yep. And... Grand Metalik thanked Vince McMahon, said, thank you for granting me my release. I think he will at least wrestle Brian Danielson on AEW Dark, if nothing else, because Brian has wanted a match with this man since before he returned to wrestling. Uh, Lindsay Dorado, I'm sure will work the independence. I'm sure will be fine. He kind of uh, he said some very passionate things on social media. And, you know, he's right. He did live his dream. He can say whatever he wants about it not being what he wanted it to be, but he did live his dream, and he should be proud for that. Both of them should, really. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like these two are both very talented workers. Grand Metal League in particular will find work easily, whether it's in Mexico or in on the States. I feel like they'll both work PWG pretty often. I feel like they're that type of worker, but I feel like, yeah, they'll be in... They'll easily find working impacts, AEW dogs, stuff like that. I feel, yeah, I don't think they're going to struggle for work. Grand League's obviously already openly requested his release, so I feel like he's not too disappointed with this outcome. Lince Dorado, um, yeah, I feel I feel like he'll f- find work pretty easily as well. So I don't have too much, um, too many reservations about these two in terms of their release. It's it is again it's. It's another indication of like these two were two people brought in as part of the Cruiserweight Classic. And the Cruiserweights is something that Triple H seems, at least at the start of this year, we heard speculation and rumours going around about the fact that you really wanted to concentrate on the Cruiserweight division and rebuild that as part of just the NXT family and work on 205 Live. And yeah, and now Cruiserweights are being tossed in and out of the, uh, the company as well because they're now focusing on you must be six foot two tall we must be at least 200 plus pounds or whatever and stuff like that it's again they they've gone a, a completely different direction and these two don't fit into that mold um since you mentioned that i do want to say chris van vliet did an interview with tony niece and tony niece talked about how different the vision of the cruiserweights was for triple h and Vince McMahon, and it, it is shocking and it is you know triple h again wrestlers wrestler wanted to do an annual cruiserweight tournament wanted this to feel special and now it's just being tossed aside again and it's unfortunate but with these two it seemed like the writing was on the wall and the last name that i i have stuff to say about but not an abundance of things would be Oni lorkin because even though he's great 
and he was in war games and he was in that great uh pat mcafee stable you know i i just can't i like biff busick already has work in wsw he's gonna go back to pwg he's gonna be fine and he's awesome and everybody knows it WB didn't want a guy like him. They've never done well with guys like him. They never did much with Regal or Dave Finley or or uh, Dave Taylor. You know, so this one, it sucks because he's great. But I guess the writing was on the wall with him as well. Yeah, I, I, it was one of my um, one of my favorite Bell to Bell wrestlers in the company. I feel like I, I love the way that he just threw himself into uppercuts and like wrestled with absolute abandon the feud which led to the formation of the team of the uh, only Lorcan and danny birch was excellently done it was a good part of um a good like mini arc story in um nxt and then their quest to become the tag champions eventually winning the tag team titles having to unfortunately uh vacate them due to danny birch's injury and then they never really picked up again after that yeah, it's it's disappointing, but I I can't wait to see him absolutely tear it up on the independent circuit because he is an absolutely awesome wrestler. And Biff I also Bu- see him going to dark. Oh yeah, wrestling branding. I mean, like, Biff Busick is a much better name than Owen Lorcan, so yeah. he's got he's got a better name now as well, and he's got himself over on Twitter too. I mean, he's got himself over to a larger fan base now with just Journey, and he's got himself over on Twitter because he capitalizes everything that he says as well, and so. So, yeah, again, it's another one that I feel has so much talent that he's not going to struggle to find work. But now we move on to, I think those were the names that were kind of, obviously still big deals, but like... Yeah, like BFAB, still a big deal. Yeah. You know, uh, Lucha House Party, still a big deal. But now we get to the names where yeah. there's a well, lot of shit to say. Well, let's, let's start then. I think, sticking with the NXT side of things as an NXT release, I want to talk about Ember Moon. So... Oh. This the they shit the bed with Ember Moon so bad, How, like that girl probably lost her passion for wrestling. Like let's so, just call it what it is. Yeah. So so Ember Moon obviously former NXT um, Women's Champion. She was NXT Women's Tag Team Champion earlier this year as well. Um. So she's she wrestled. She was uh, brought up to the main roster a couple of years ago after like a pretty successful run in NXT was basically unused for the most part. I feel like the, the most exposure she got was that she wrestled the SummerSlam match for the SmackDown uh, t- uh, Women's Championship against Bayley. And, and the, the build to that was, like, literally just... Hey, I'm giving you an opportunity because you, you're yeah. here. You're, you're here. You've never wrestled me before. Why don't you wrestle me at SummerSlam for the title? And everyone, and everyone gave it the response that it was supposed to do for that sort of creative booking, which was nobody cared about that match. And, and they do a thing with her where I think that Sonya Deville bullied her and knocked down her switch or something. Mm-hmm. I, Ember Moon, top-tier talent. I am adamant that she needs to go to AEW. AEW struck gold with Ruby Soho. Ember Moon, Athena is one of those names as well. She's a talent that has been working for years. She's got experience. She's got a ton left in her career. They need to sign her up real quick. Yeah, I think that AEW should be the destination for her. My reservation is obviously the fact that she has um, incurred a number of injuries over the last few years, which have... One of them chasing after the goddamn 24-7 championship. I would say that it's kind of 
just from my perspective as well, I still think she's a very good worker, but it has impacted her performance in the ring. And she is, I think she was off a step in her final run in NXT. I just don't feel like she she has the same dynamism that she once had. But how much, but like we, we can't say how much of that is injury, how much of that is loss of no, heart. No, no, absolutely. I feel like someone with her experience and her reputation behind the AEW would be stupid not to at least approach the idea of signing. I think if Impact are interested, they should try and um, put in a good offer for her as well. And yeah, I feel like she will, again, she'll be someone that finds work pretty easily. She'll probably go back to the Athena name. It seems like it's a good fit for her. And I feel like she'll have more of an opportunity to expose the character that she wanted to put onto this onto M Moon or what she what she envisioned for it because it seems to be a case of like, oh, if she's somewhat supernatural or something like that, she's coming to the ring with different contact lenses and has that kind of like very um oh spooky but atmospheric entrance and then she just wrestles like a wrestler. Like maybe she'll yeah. be able to delve a little bit more into the character work side of things going forward. I'd like to see her get with uh Giancarlo, the guy who did the video for Ruby Soho. I'd like to see her have one of those vignettes. I hope it's not a prison break. Mm. Um, it, honestly, Ember Moon and our, our fantasy draft has aired now. I can say this. I picked her up because I think she's fantastic. Like, I think Ember Moon is great. I think she's. There are a lot of people talk about representation. She's somebody who fits that mold. I think she's a phenomenal worker like well before Bianca Belair even started shining like Ember Moon was there doing the work and I think like she's so good I can't believe they just over and over again drop the ball and it's it's heartbreaking and sticking with NXT releases and heartbreaking and drop the ball how the hell do you release Ty Valkyrie how, how do you how do you take hmm. uh, I guess Frankie Monet, how do you take the former longest-running Impact Wrestling Knockouts champion? How do you take a name that can easily go ahead and be a star on Monday Night Raw when Charlotte Flair went down with COVID? You could have easily said, here's Taya Valkyrie. You know her. If you don't know her, here's a quick backstory. How do you not say, here's, like, you need a female for the Miz and Morrison Act. Here's John Morrison's real-life wife. Like, there's so much that you can do with Taya Valkyrie, and there's so much that she has in her that I cannot believe they just said, it's been four months. Go away. Yeah, so signed with uh, the company in February of this year. She debuted in April. Uh, she's basically just had a few squash matches and then went away and for a little while came back as part of the Robert Stone brand, challenged for the NXT Women's Championship at the um, at the end of September. Had her final match at the start of October. Yeah, it's um, it's been an absolute waste of time. This is really the only thing that you can really describe it as. Her signing, we all know how talented Ty Valkyrie is. Anyone that's watched Lucha Underground, anyone that's watched her time in Impact knows how talented she is, how much charisma she has, how good she is in the ring, all of that stuff. And the fact of the matter is that her her tenure in WWE, as short as it has been, has been just a year, or, or not even a year, but an amount of time just completely and utterly wasted. And yeah. she is another person that I feel, if she wants to go back to Impact, I feel like she could obviously 
make a, a big splash there, but if she wants something new, AEW should be again trying to snap her hand off to get her to join because she is she has name value that that crowd will know who she is, they'll know what a big deal that she is, and she's someone who speaks fluent Spanish. So there's yep. a good like um, and that's kind of history with AAA. Yeah, good. Yeah, good international value there as well. So she could also work with like, AAA because they obviously have somewhat of a working relationship with AEW as well. So yeah, I feel like that's again another perfectly aligned thing. There's something I want to talk about the Frank Manet thing is the fact that, that reports again circulating that um, uh, John Morrison found out about this uh, through the internet rather than actually being told that uh, his work oh, was being released. Well, like let's talk about this. Uh, WWE has not released a statement publicly saying that they fired these people. Mm. They released it. Obviously, you have to internally email people. You know, uh, I believe Fightful Select reported some of the discrepancies in the emails. Like the XT email at least said we were still on their future endeavors. The WWE main roster email did not. Just like little things like that. But yeah, John Morrison finding out about this through the internet, I wouldn't be surprised. I yeah. wouldn't be surprised in the least because they are on tour. So maybe he's not home, you know? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, but yeah. Well, even that as well, to release his wife while he's away, he's not even in the country. And so essentially she'll either have to call him or he finds out through the internet that that's happening or whatever. And yeah, it's just... It's really lousy business practice, if that is what's actually the case. It's not, yeah, it's not I mean, the case. It's not the case. I mean, we've been releasing these people anyway, so close to Christmas as well. We can talk about that as well. But like, yeah, with really, the, the case of some of them not even being able to work until February. Yeah, it's just a case of yeah, just releasing all of them in the first place, and then, and and then not even having the. The, the common decency to like inform their loved ones or something or loved ones that work in the same goddamn the company, company. Like, hey that, hey we're gonna let go of Taya yeah. or hey we're gonna you know like what like I, I can't get over the fact that like I was beating the drum of this chick can debut in the Royal Rumble hmm. like, we, like well, she because we know we know how big a deal that she is and people that know and people that are actually like in the real wrestling bubble know how good that she is and know her name value and it's just a case of I don't know what again what it's almost because like what are they looking for and it seems like they don't want anybody who has been quote-unquote tainted by independent promotions or other wrestling promotions they're now you know, like scrub scrub all of that unless you're unless you're certain people that have already like built up enough of a reputation for yourself wait, in, but, within but the but company because like Ty Valkyrie, before it was public that they were going to change NXT 2.0, and we started realizing, oh, they're changing people's names again and stuff like that. Because uh, when they debuted her as Frankie Monet, that was one of the clear signs of, oh, they're changing names again. And Ty Valkyrie was one of the names who, two years ago, would have just debuted in the Royal Rumble and been on SmackDown or Raw, you know, because that was the philosophy just two years ago. And I I just can't believe that they wasted her. What a they wasted a year of her life. They made her move. You know, what I mean, like, come on. Yeah. Well, well speaking of another complete wasted time, let's talk about Eva Marie. So, so this one's weird because yeah. she was signed in 2019. 
Oh, isn't there like rumors as far back as 2019 that she yeah. signed? It's um, Fightful at least to report that she uh, returned to the company, was re-signed with the company in October 2020. Yeah, so she's, like so she's been with the company for a year, technically, but was being paid for the company by for a year. She did actually re-debut in June as yep. this um the evolution and And oh. gave us and changed Piper Niven's name. Yeah, so she debuted as the essentially valet, but also working still as Dewdrop, which then led to almost immediately their partnership leading into those having diff- them having dif- difficulties and then feuding. Um, even Marie wrestled a couple of matches against Dewdrop, and then that was the last we saw of her, and now she's now she's gone. And again, it's just, she came in to the company. They didn't decide to use her for the first eight months that she was signed with the company. Then they do re-debut her. She comes back. She still can't work at all. So they decide, okay, the best thing we can do is keep putting her in the ring. And the crowd shits all over it because, of course, they do because she can't work. You decide, okay, we're not going to play to her strengths, which is the fact that she does have charisma. She is clearly obviously a beautiful woman as well. And so we could do something with that, again, in a more character perspective. No, we're going to keep her in the ring. People are still going to hate it because she can't actually wrestle. And... She had that awful match with Alexa Bliss at SummerSlam. She had two matches against Dewdrop where she just put Dewdrop over. And then she's out of the company. And again, it's just like... If people are going with the idea that we are moving into a new Divas generation of the women's talent, then why is she going? Yeah, like, see, but that's the issue. I can't even say that for sure now because why would you release... Eva Marie and another name worth talk about that didn't even get to debut on television, who literally got in the business wanting to be a diva. Yeah, but it's just, yeah, it's, again, it's another utterly bizarre situation where she's brought in and, yeah, doesn't do anything any, anything of real note and is immediately released a year afterwards, only, after only, realistically, three months of television. It's just, now, yeah. you got to put on... Even if you don't like it, got to put on your, uh, maybe from a business perspective, they're like, all right, you're not worth what we're paying you. Let's but, just cut bait here. So I'm not going to, I know obviously we talk about the fact of, it's always a shame when someone loses their job and anything along those lines, but I'm not going to act like I'm super disappointed that Eva Marie's not with the company anymore because she shouldn't have been re-signed in the first place. She, it, she can't work whatsoever well so, I, I think there's a place for that character yeah there's a place for it but if you're not gonna if you're not gonna, if use, you're not gonna it, use it yeah then there's then no point of reason and it's just the point of what what, what was the creative real idea it's like the, the one creative idea they had for her was to pair her with let's face it an the overweight fact, woman like, yeah look. an overweight woman and just go like okay that's going to be the the gimmick is the fact that uh she's like the the beautiful one and she's going to be use this other person to actually win all her matches or to rise herself up the ladder and they didn't even do that story because two weeks in they were already causing tension between the two of them like what the- because because they woke up and decided we should do a fat shaming gimmick and then mm-hmm. they were like oh shit we can't do a fat shaming gimmick and they didn't know what to do because the only thing they had in mind was haha we'll call the fat girl dewdrop which is stupid by the way which is utterly stupid by the way but whatever 
That's what they're doing. And then and then and now she just she dances and does jazz hands to the ring and has really short matches. And yeah, it's just again, even Reed's got on. I'm not gonna say that I'm gonna miss her too badly, but it's just again, it's it's more for me, the even Reed one is more just a case of real creative ineptitude and poor business practice overall. And then let's move on to I mean, you already mentioned her in passing, but let's obviously talk about more of the package there. Uh, Carrying Cross and Scarlet Bordeaux, or just Scarlet as she was in WWE. But... Okay, all right, all right. Let's let's just let's just talk. This is the weirdest fucking thing I have ever seen. This guy comes in to NXT with a meteoric push. He beats Keith Lee, who we're not done talking about, and for the NXT title within like two months of debuting. Has a cool entrance, never gets to show it off in front of human beings. Um, and then you call him up to the main roster. You have Jeff Hardy beat him in two minutes as the NXT champion. You take away his valet, who is his real-life fiance, who, by the way, is, in by any stretch of the imagination, a perfect 10. You know, like, what was that and then you fucking put him in a demolition helmet and you have him do nothing with that and then you fire him and the funniest thing about that you bothered to draft him Hmm. yeah it's i mean there is so much to be said about this one again i feel like this is another of the clearest indications that this was a personal message sent to triple h and the way that he did things because this was a guy who he championed more than anything else. Considering the fact that, and I've spoken about this in the podcast multiple times, I feel like carrying Cross, I was a big fan of Killer Cross and the independent circuit and in Impact. I feel like he showed a lot. And then when he came to um, WWE NXT and was wrestling the people who were like the biggest names in the independent circuit, your Adam Cole, your Kyle O'Reilly, your Finn Balor, people like that, it exposed him as a limited worker. But you can do stuff with a guy of that nature and he can. And they obviously decided to overlook all of that, give him the whole presentation, give him Scarlet and just let rise him up to the top. He is someone who clearly Triple H had a lot of stock in, saw a lot of potential in. And then she's she's gone. He's gone. He brought up the main roster. As you mentioned, immediately loses to Jeff Hardy and then gets 50-50 with Keith Lee. Well, he loses to Keith Lee. Again, another person we'll talk about. Uh, but he just goes 50-50 with a lot of other people as well, taken off TV with the stupid gladiator helmet thing. And then they decide to do two vignettes that make him seem like he's the new Sean O'Hare. And, but that's just a case of like, and we'll talk about this again when we mention uh, Keith Lee further down the line, of Vincent Mann taking what's, is the raw what, what the raw thing from NXT, which is what what Karen Cross was, and they say, yeah, I'm going to just take the body and not going to have any of the paraphernalia that was associated with it, any of the any of the entrance, the girl, the gimmick, the look, the intensity, anything like that. None of the character stuff. Just I just want that body, and then I'll take that body and do what I want with it, which is fuck all, or fuck all good anyway. And, yeah, it was just an absolute hideous car wreck. And this should really fly in the face of all of those people that go, like, 
oh, this is the um, trust the process. Oh, that lost to Jeff Hardy is the start of a story. Yeah. I just yeah. like genuinely all those people fuck right off. Just stop. Just stop even littering our timelines or littering the internet with your absolutely insane, no, not like nonsense ramblings that are based on absolutely nothing that you see in the TV. Just the absolute, it's just the sense of someone who is just purely optimistic and just believes that, oh, because WWE is the biggest company in the world, they wouldn't do something like this. Or, oh, everyone just, all they do is hate on WWE and WWE's, oh, they treat WWE like they're, arseholes and stuff like that. The reason they do it is because they're fuckers who earn millions, hundreds of millions of dollars every single quarter and then decide to just release people and have absolutely no idea what to use people and use the same people. They cycle the same people over and over and over and over again to the point where their entire product is as stale as it's ever been. Oh, and I have so much more to say along those lines when we get to Kipui. Yeah. But carrying Cross, I, look, Poor Peter Rosenberg tweeted something in July regarding the loss to Jeff Hardy and trust the process. And that was brought back a lot on my timeline because people were like, oh, we still trust the process. Mm. Like, it's it's fucking bizarre. You're never going to change these people, these certain people that just like are always going to be the WWE fanboys or fangirls or anything like that. I mean, I made a stupid gimmick out of all of that. I'm not going to do it on this one because it feels disrespectful. But it's just a case of... That, that's that's just what these people do. They'll see anything that WWE does negatively and will find the positive in it, or they'll just try and coat over everything. And at the end of the day, I, I'm happy. I'm happy in an extent that Cross and Scarlett are gone because they were being absolutely be wasted. So yeah, they were wasted here. Cross will find plenty of work. He'll go to Bloodsport. He'll go to GCW and will be a big deal there. He'll go back to Impact. I'm sure AEW will at least give him a look. I don't know if he really fits into there. They're still there, but they have shown in the past that they're a company that will promote the strengths and hide the weaknesses. So I can't say that that's going to be out of the question. Scarlet will Scarlet. find plenty of work. I mean, Scarlet will find plenty of work in and out of wrestling. So like, yeah, she, like she, she's already talking about like starting a clothing line and magazine covers and, and OnlyFans and OnlyFans, and she wants to do a hardcore bra and panties match. And I think some promotions have like actually reached out about that maybe, yeah. but. Those- those two will be stars of GCW. I yeah, they'll be stars of anything. Like they can go. I, I don't know if they'll go back to Impact because the the uh, the ending there. Well, that was, was, well, that was um, a lot of that was apparently associated with uh, Don Callis and Don. That's Callis true, and he's not there anymore. So, yeah. you know, there there is that. So I think, well, I think I think New Japan would give him a look, certainly New just Japan. because of his pure presence. Right, and I think I think they're going to be fine. Yeah, but it absolutely. is. I. I I know a lot of times on these podcasts, I tend to bring up Hunter, but I do genuinely wonder, like, what is this guy thinking? Is he just like, you know, okay, I lost? Because I'm sure that's an idea that has to cross someone's mind when a lot of the projects that you specifically were working on, it's just, I lost. I I, I tweeted out a picture of him. I was going to say, well, that's why I don't feel like it's now a crazy assertion for people to make that Triple H might walk out of WWE at some point. I That's something that I want to I would talk about when we get to kind of at the end of it, but I might as well bring it up now because it's early. This is like terrible timing in terms of releasing all these talents, and we'll, we'll talk about it more at the end and stuff like that, but in terms of like the Ring of Honor departure, but I have 
have a fit well have a fit like wild speculation and stuff like that not speculation but it's just like what i would kind of hope to see happening but we can talk a bit more about that when we get when we've finally listed all of them because funnily enough there's still names that we need to talk about and there's still like big names that we need to talk about yeah well, we've we've already mentioned him, and so but we'll bring these two together because again they come as obviously they weren't packaged together on TV, but they are a real life package. That's Keith Lee and Mia Yim, obviously um, a real life couple, real life um, uh, fiancés. Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. by the way, Mia Yim never more uh, spotlighted on TV than when she was actually paired with Keith Lee during the pandemic against the way the Garganas, yeah. and but, I. But, yeah, this is this is again. It's that's two absolutely bizarre ones in completely different ways. So Mia Yim did not wrestle a single match on TV in the entirety of 2021. Yep. And she was originally brought. Well, she was obviously originally in NXT, and she was a pretty it's a pretty big deal there. She never won the um the um, NXT Women's Championship, but she was fairly well positioned. They brought her up in the main roster as part of the absolutely abominable retribution stable she was reckoning uh she didn't really do too much in general she wrestled a couple of matches but nothing significant she left the group as part of everyone else when they all turned on mustafa ali and then she was drafted or she was supposedly on smackdown but then wasn't and then she was drafted to was she drafted to raw Raw. yeah she she was drafted to raw never made an appearance on any either of those shows apparently being part of the roster on both of them and then yeah and then she's gone and just like what by the way another one they bothered to draft why yeah and again it's it's again it's just something else that we're just like this is one that AEW must prioritize absolutely must prioritize if they are like they want to build up their women's division and they want to address the um, supposed issues of rather around inclusivity. Mia Yim is an absolute must get. Like yeah. she she needs to be there. And and she should just be there based on the strength of her talent alone. She is an excellent wrestler. She has a ton of experience and she would be an absolute coup for that women's roster. Another one, Hunter. Like they did a video of Hunter telling her, Hey, we're gonna sign you. You're great. And she cried. And like it's so frustrating and i'm not usually this guy right but i i do want to point out that the only members of the abomination that was retribution that were released were the females and house like they were all failures in that regard right why yeah the whole gimmick was a failure yeah so if the whole gimmick was a failure, why were those the only two that you said we have no use for you? Why do you have no use for me yet? How do you have no use for? Again, that's that's the bigger question in general. Like for a lot of these stories, like how do you not have a use for so and so? Because you're creatively inept and you shouldn't be running a wrestling company anymore. And like, I'll just say right now, Sean Rossap <laughs> tweeted, "Get ready for a lot of. They never really had a lot of creative plans for so and so based on the stories that I'm hearing. I have." Why are you hiring them? Like, in some ways, it almost goes, well, uh, do, are we supposed to say, well, good on you for firing them? Because you realized that you were the ones that made the mistake in hiring them? But, like, you're still fucking with people's lives. And by the way, speaking of fucking with people's lives, talk about the fact that Keith Lee missed 
half of this year because he had COVID and wasn't sure if he did too much uh, physical exertion, if he would just up and die. And then he comes back. And then you fucking package him as Bearcat. But that, that's the, that, I mean, this is the biggest, for me, in, like, indication of, of the creative ineptitude and the fact that how do you not do something with so-and-so? Keith Lee is someone who is a physical phenomenon, not someone of his size, his build, to do all the stuff that he can do in the ring. And he got super over on the independent circuit and he got super over on NXT, became the first join NXT and North American champion in the company's history. And it was a huge, huge deal. Like, everyone loved Keith Lee. And they loved his entrance. They loved his aura, his personality. There was every he had everything that you could possibly want from a top guy. And they had him come to to the Royal Rumble that one time. And yeah, yeah, Brock saying, Lesnar. You know who else had who loved Keith yeah. Lee? Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar looked at him across the <laughs> ring and said, "Who's this big <laughs> motherfucker?" And I will I I, fight this guy. Yeah, like... You had an, a ready-made feud for like for Keith Lee to eventually work his way towards. What happens is that he comes up to the main roster. He is immediately like thrown into the studio. He gets a, a big win over Randy Orton. And so you just feel like, okay, now we're getting going. And then it just never builds from there. And then you hear all these stories. Obviously, the COVID thing is a, a, a big like situation as well. So I'm just going to mention that. But the fact that like apparently he needs to work like a big man. I don't like his entrance. He needs new entrance music. He needs to wear a fucking skirt to the gear. ring. Needs to wear, yeah, needs yeah. to wear a fucking skirt to the ring. He we need to wear a t-shirt because we can't see. We don't want his like flabby body being displayed or anything like that. You know what? Oh, we, you know what? You know what's wild though. The last Survivor Series in front of human beings, he was spotlighted at the very end with Roman Reigns, and they had a great back and forth. And Roman Reigns does the fist bump, and it's like literally. You knew what you had. There is no fucking excuse. You knew what you had. You just decided that you didn't want it because somebody woke up. I don't know if it was Vince or Bruce or whoever, or Nick Khan. Somewhere along the line, they woke up and just said, we don't want anything that we're doing. We want completely, like, let's just hit the restart button. Let's be a legacy brand and try to build uh, people who have never seen wrestling or done wrestling into maybe convincing them that they can be The Rock or Hulk Hogan. That has to be what it is. Because how do you take a fucking specimen like Keith Lee and go, yeah, we'll just release you then. I, I, don't, I don't get it. And, and again, I, I, there must be something more to this because he was just on your TV show. You know what I mean? Like, like none of, some of these things don't add up. You can say, Lucha House Party, okay, they were floundering for years. Okay, I understand that. The Grand Metal League wanted out. Keith Lee, you were actively like, Bearcat, Bearcat, Bearcat. You were actively trying to do something with yeah. Keith Lee over but, and over and over again. But this is the same company that's, a few months ago, released Malachi Black just as he was about to re-debut. Yeah, because they just, they ju- just as he did re-debut, he ended yeah. SmackDown, and then the week later, he was fired. Yeah, because they don't have, again, it's just, 
they don't have there's no forward planning clearly they're just they're, like oh we have keith we'll use him but then we decided okay now now we're gonna get rid of him it's just again no continuity no bonds between the people at the very top that are actually making the business and financial decisions and the creative teams below as well there has been root well there has been reports out there by ringside news again take with a pinch of salt that keith lee had an attitude problem backstage then again, oh, yeah. if, I was, if I was going through oh. so many creative changes and having my entire identity as a fo- like previously as a wrestler being stripped away from me, I'd probably be pretty uh, creatively frustrated as well. Well, look, now, Brinkhead News again, Grand Assault. Uh, I do. I think Keith Lee is a sweetheart. I think by all accounts, from what anything anybody's ever said, is that he's a sweetheart. I don't. I, I think if he didn't have an attitude problem, maybe it's because, hey, you're fucking with my livelihood and it does get tiring. You know, I, Keith Lee should have been the main eventer of WrestleMania. I think last year, was it last year? Or maybe even this year, there was a rumor that the main event of Mania was going to be Lee, McIntyre, and Lesnar. Like, they clearly clearly knew what they had i don't want to hear that shit pal oh well you know it's his own fault pal he didn't learn how to work it's bullshit and if you're really looking for people to work like king kong bundy in 2021 then you're wrong it's uh, king kong bundy look had his place under the giant had his place nowadays if a big dude can do backflips we want to highlight that and embrace that. And that shouldn't be a damn issue. I can't believe we're talking about Keith Lee getting released. And I have a theory that that's why they haven't plugged Survivor Series yet. Because you got to do five on fives. And they didn't know who they were going to put on the teams. Because they didn't know who they were going to have. There is, there is obviously a, a good chance that's the case. Um, Keith Lee, again... Should be should be someone that AEW prioritizes. Yeah, this is the medium need to go. Yeah, this is the, and I don't want to say it's, it should be all about like, obviously a big proponent of inclusivity and stuff like that. But this is the African American main bona fide main event star that your brand needs. Yeah, he's that you coming built to you. Yet. He's coming to you gift wrapped. Yeah, and, and they'll let him be Keithley. They'll let him be Keithley. As much as he can be, obviously, again, notwithstanding the stuff that happened with COVID, if he's feeling he's back to his best and he's ready to start being who he was before, we need to adapt slightly. But either way, he's got like buckets of charisma and yeah, insane power and all this stuff as well. So I think that he will slot perfectly into AEW. So that's someone who they absolutely should prioritise signing. But we're down to the final name, finally, after just uh, about an hour or so. But uh, let's uh, talk look, about look what, probably, yeah, probably the most high-profile release out of all of them, just based on both their, their accolades they received throughout their time in WWE and just how they were positioned and how they were booked throughout their entire WWE run is Nia Jax. So, yeah. Former Raw Women's Champion, been with the company since 2014, former WWE Women's Tag Team Champion. Was literally uh, a big part of Monday Night Raw all year long. Um, Was 
always at the forefront. Like, she's been in several WrestleMania championship matches. Like, unbelievably protected. Unbelievably yeah. protected. Yeah, so she... And is somehow gone. Yeah, so there, there's a lot to kind of unpack here a little bit because of stuff that's come out since the release or stuff surrounding it. We mentioned beforehand as well, you mentioned earlier that a lot of the releases... There was speculation that a lot of the releases were due to, or at least a number of the releases was due to uh, COVID-related stuff. Nia Jax has openly said on Instagram that she believes that God is her immune system or something Mm -hmm. that effect, or God gave her her immune system. And so it's quite clear to me, at least from that perspective, that she is an anti-vaxxer. And so she she did not get vaccinated, or she was at least talking about when... uh, at least in 2020, that she was not going to get vaccinated. And that could have been problematic for her. She was recently written off TV to um, take the time off. Like, legitimately, the New York Post openly said uh, Nia Jax was released. One of the reasons is because she was uh, unvaccinated. Now, Nia Jax... Yeah, we need to talk about this a little bit, so... ...did release a statement, which makes it all the more heartbreaking... Nia Jax went on Instagram and posted a statement saying, and I'm just going to read it verbatim, so bear with me. I usually keep my personal life private, but yesterday's reports leave me with no option but to clarify matters. I recently took a short leave of absence from WWE for a mental health break. I've been working through so much, more than I can share, and so I took some time with the full support of the company to take care of myself. Earlier this week, after WWE sent me my schedule to return to the ring for the November 15th show, I asked for an extension to my mental health break, feeling that I needed more time and hoping that I would have the ongoing support of the company I have given my all to for the past seven years. I didn't receive response. The next I heard, I was being released. My vaccination status was never mentioned. I wasn't given any choices or options. It breaks my heart to be so abruptly let go without consultation when dealing with so much privately. I love my career at WWE. I love the men and women I worked with, and I'm going to need the time to process this huge loss. I appreciate those people who have shown compassion and understanding during an incredibly difficult time. Yeah, so... So she opened... So she's pretty much saying that, no, like... As far as her vaccination status, it was never questioned. But also, releasing someone during a mental health break is fucking shitty. Yeah, I, I, I have no reason to dispute what Nia Jax is saying about the, when she was released because of the fact that I, I kind of seem to have an inkling about how this company operates. And so it feels like... Yeah, they would release her while she's taking this mental health break. That she was asked for an extension, didn't get a response, and then was immediately seemingly released off the back of it. I mean, you hear all of the story. We've heard stories in the past about the heat that she's received because she's been often viewed as dangerous in the ring. And and, and then it's like you read these responses, and they're all from coworkers. Uh, Tyson Kidd saying one of my favorites of all time. Thank you for everything. Uh, Mike Rome saying, I love you. If you need anything, I'm here. Deanna Perrazzo saying, thinking of you. Mojo Raleigh saying, love you, my friend. I'm here if you need anything. Very proud of your career. Alex Bliss. 
Love you, Charlotte Flair. Just posted some broken heart emojis. Iconics with some heart emojis. Kayla Braxton, I love you. You're a star in 20,000 ways. So, like, you're just telling people, hey, yeah, your, your friend no longer works here randomly. And just, again, not making a public statement. Just being like, oh, by the way, if you're that kid who loved Nia Jax, who loved Heath Lee, they're just not around anymore. And if you're not someone who is on the internet, you'll never really know why. Because they don't, they didn't even say, hey, we released so-and-so. Yeah. Yeah, so that's probably among, probably the most shocking that's the most shocking release. Yeah, just because, just because of how she was positioned and it just seemingly coming out of nowhere. For me, and, it, yeah. it's her, Bray Wyatt, and Braun Strowman as the three most shocking releases this year. And again, I've all, I've always had kind of a, a negative perspective towards Nia Jax. Again, it's always the thing about like I don't want to see anyone like lose their job or anything like that. But I'm not gonna like backtrack and say that I'm unhappy that she's released. To, to a degree. I mean, I'd be obviously seemingly the position that she went through and she is, if she is struggling with like mental health, uh, like things that are affecting her mental health right now, then obviously I hope that she continues to get the help and support she needs. And this clearly is not the help and support that she needs at this point in time. And hopefully she can work through this and does get other opportunities moving forward. I can't say that I'm super clamoring to see her back in a wrestling ring, but again, if she does, is able to find work with, I'm, I'm sure Impact at the very least will give her a look because of the, her name value and the fact that she could be a big part of that women's division as well. I don't well, this is a woman who, you know, been featured at WrestleMania, mm. won the World Championship oh, yeah. at WrestleMania. I think promotion should definitely, if she's still keen on working outside of WWE, to they should be giving her a look because of just that. Uh, reputation surrounding her as well i personally don't want to see her go to aew just because of the fact that i don't think that she is a particularly safe worker and don't feel like she would have too much benefit on that division because you already have nyla rose who kind of fills into that role slots into her role pretty well and i so, don't think she'd she'd go to aew no. but if she does choose to wrestle again i hope she finds success and i hope she's like whatever she's going through first and foremost i hope clears up but really this is so shocking like nobody's safe anymore no absolutely and it's just a case of for all these people the 18 people that we've mentioned i hope they all like land on their feet and they're able to find work in whatever format is whether it's in pro wrestling or uh, outside of it going forward and able to take this setback in stride and move on. I'm sure many of them are, don't see this as a setback, but more as a um, unlocking of the, the cage that was surrounding them or anything like that. So, yeah, I feel like there's there's a lot of talent out of the people. I mean, out of these ones, it's just, it's almost bizarre in the sense of how much talent has just been released. And not just talent in terms of just the name talent, but actually just unbelievably good wrestlers and talkers and personalities. Well, let's talk about this, because uh, it's 12.40 on Saturday, November 6th. At 12 p.m., Ty Valkyrie tweeted, I'll say this, the hardest thing for me to process after being released is realizing the amount of people that lied to me. Some of y'all should be ashamed. 
Mm. And that's like, I can't imagine the amount of emotions that is going through all these people right now. It's, it sucks. And if I'm tied up or if I'm, you know, Nia Jax, all the way down the line, like even if I'm Jesse Kamea, like this just hurts and this sucks. And what I want to rope this in quickly before we get into a bit more of a um because I know there's there's loads more news that we need to go through as well but I want to talk about this before we move away from this subject entirely which is Kyler Riley's situation which yep. is uh, Kyler Riley's uh, NXT contract is supposedly uh, set to expire in December yep um so that adds on to the fact that Johnny Gargano's contract is set to expire towards the end of the year as well and Kevin Owens unless he's resigned. Uh, his contract will. I, I don't. Yeah. That, well, that his, I it, his contract is set to expire in um. Well, at least at this point, is set to expire at the end of January. January? Yeah. Uh. So yeah, this is. So those are three core components of both NXT and the main roster. Three people that obviously have huge ties to Ring of Honor and the independent circuit in the past. Three people who have kind of redone everything that they can do under the WWE banner or NXT banners, as as in what, as what you say, other than Kyle O'Reilly, obviously never winning the NXT championship, but he's now, he's clearly not someone, based on just who's been released in the past and who's been prioritised in NXT, he's someone who doesn't fit that mould and he's been used to prop up uh, Von Wagner at the moment. Jeez. And so, so it, I mean, he's someone absolutely that I am 100% will leave, will leave and will join AEW. Yeah, because I, and I've said this on every podcast because I feel this way. The Undisputed Era was the hottest act in all of NXT, which when the Undisputed Era was the hottest act, NXT was the hottest brand. From a fan perspective, that isn't, I, I don't think that's a stretch to say. Now, I, I do think that Tony Khan should be signing all the members of the Undisputed Era as a flex. As, straight up, as a flex, you should be like, this was your hottest act, and now they all work here. But uh, Johnny Gargano is the one name of the three I'm not sold will leave. But I think he should, and I think ultimately he probably will. But he is a big WWE guy. Maybe if they can promise him a Rey Mysterio role, a Shawn Michaels role, you know, maybe they get to keep him. Yeah, but as it stands right now, that's three other big names that would end up leaving the company soon. And this is another, this is the big talking point that I want to mention off the back of this now before we get into any other news stories. So this is a it's a weird time wrestling in the fact that the amount of free agent talent. So WWE over the past of the last two years has released over 100 wrestlers. Just wrestlers, yeah. Yeah, just wrestlers. And... This is now coming at a time where Ring of Honor is about to go into hiatus. And as far, based on the fact that another news story that broke out this week is that Sinclair Broadcasting uh, Group is in million, is millions in debt. And so that makes it seem, it adds a little bit more fuel to the fire that this hiatus for Ring of Honor might be the end of the company as a whole, or at least the end of the company under Sinclair Broadcasting, unless they can find a buyer. And so we're now in this weird dynamic where you obviously have WWE, which is still the the pillar of the industry, AEW, which has risen leaps and bounds in the last couple of years and is now 
in some degrees competitive with WWE from just a television perspective. And it signed a lot of talent from WWE that have been released and built up their own stars. But then there is this massive gap between you, you take a massive fall from that point and then you hit GCW, Impact Wrestling, uh, other independent promotions like PWG, stuff along those lines, MLW, uh, NWA. NWA is now like on a cliff, like falling down that in that level at this point. But yeah. There's now this massive gulf between AEW and the next string. Now, and obviously, probably in that little gap in between, you probably would put New Japan, but obviously, New Japan is not is not US based, so it can't really do too much in that regards. But you have New Japan Strong, but New Japan Strong is probably close to the level of an Impact or MLW or something to that effect. So, what I would hope for, and this goes against uh, Tony's uh, merging concept entirely. <laughs> I wish above anything else that there was another billionaire out there or another person with links to all these other, um, like links to television companies, stuff like that says like, AEW's proven that wrestling can still be hot. We've they're, like, they're on Wednesdays and WWE have Mondays, uh, Tuesdays and Fridays right now. That Thursday slot could be an interesting opportunity if we want to take it. And we now have over a hundred, probably even over 200 wrestlers out there in free agency right now that have name value, that have talent, that have a lot of potential that we could bring in and really, we could launch our own Phoenix promotion off the back of it. It, it is possible. Um... And I, well, I'd say, I, I don't know whether there is anybody out there that's doing it, but you know what? Again, it's just something that I would love in my own, just like, fantasy world where someone just goes okay we can start this up let's get this see if we can get this going within the next year and let's bring triple h on board and have I triple mean, h take down his own father in, or go up against his own father and not prove that if his approach is actually better than wwe's i mean i would love to see it I, bring Shawn michaels with him yep take uh take road dog and anyone else but behind the scenes that was take william regal with him take, it, it would it, it would be so great to see. But... I, I, I just feel like there, there's such an, a gap in the market that needs to be filled with what should have, what Ring of Honor should have been, what, the position that Ring of Honor should have been in. But a company that does have, obviously not to the same level, but does have television exposure, does have a big corporation on top of them and stuff like that to manage things. That should be, that should be the gap that they're filling right now. A solid number three in the pro wrestling landscape. We don't have an ECW right now. GCW is probably the closest we have, but even they they are miles off where ECW what was by the time they at, at their peak. And maybe, maybe this like this will obviously be, lead to what I can only imagine is a big boom for the independent wrestling industry, and maybe one of them catches fire and is able to launch up to that level. I think GCW and Impact are probably the most placed, but. Impact has the stigma associated with it, which I think will always keep it down a peg. I mean, I mean, what, yeah. what, what, what do you kind of envision? What do you kind of hope for with all these new wrestlers in free agency? Because they all, it's just the the realistic realistic approach is to take that they can't all be signed with AEW. I, it really depends. Like, I'd like to see, I'd like to see somebody at Anthem, which owns Impact, be like, okay. What can we do to 
try and take this to the next level because now there really is a spot that needs to be filled. There really is a need for a C promotion. You know, GCW is great. They are making moves, but I don't think Deathmatch Wrestling is sustainable for like a, a television promotion. So if we do want like a third TV promotion, I'd like to see it happen through one of the means that's already there, like an impact, or I'd like to see merging in the sense that like they all agree, okay, we can become something bigger if we consolidate and become some something better. You know, I'd like to see MLW get there. But I'd like to see some of these talents, especially like the, you know, the Karen Cross become linchpins for a C promotion because not everybody can go to AEW. And there are a few that I think need to, but the lot that don't, I really, I really think that they should still find their way on TV, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That, but yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, and for me, it's just like bad timing is the fact that there is now all this stuff is happening as soon as Ring of Honor decide that pretty much call it quits, or at least temporarily. Which so. is, a, which is a crazy story as well. Like, yeah. Ring of Honor, 20 years, they're pretty much, a lot of people believe that they're folding. Mm. And yeah, that's that would be a massive shame as well. And we really need someone to fill in that, that slot just below WWE and AEW. And I'm not saying like, oh, it, like they're a solid C promotion or anything like that, but like someone who can take this enormity of talent and do do something themselves with it. It's just... Because I just don't feel like you can't put all these on AEW because there's just too many people and they'll fall into the same trap that WWE did, which is you have all this talent and have no idea what you can do with them and people just won't be used as often. And then, so there, need, there needs to be that slot. There needs to be a new Ring of Honor is what I'm saying really at this point in time. And hopefully someone is at least having the wheels turning on potentially being that whether whether it is impact or gcw deciding okay we need to reach up to the next level or someone else entirely saying okay there's a spot in the market here and there's so much talent out there let's see what we can do with it yeah um so yeah that's um i mean but i mean that that all almost ties into the fact that sean rossat on thankful select shared a wonderful story this week that vince mcmahon uh, doesn't like Bray Wyatt or grew to dislike Bray Wyatt because he was creatively frustrated. What the fuck? Like, this is what I was saying when we were talking on the 10-year anniversary show about I don't mind the way that Charlotte Flair is behaving because not everybody can be the Miz and just be like, oh, I'm just so gosh darn happy with whatever spot they put me in because... You're going to tell me that Bray Wyatt was a money-making machine. And that is proven. And you're going to release him just because you're like, ah, but he's not playing ball very well. The fuck is that? Yeah, I mean, first of all, again, it falls out to this rumor surrounding Keith Lee and stuff like that. It's just a case of you can't really blame people for being creatively frustrated right now at a time where WWE is seemingly creatively bankrupt. And so if he was pitching ideas and they weren't being receptive to, then, yeah, of course he's going to be frustrated. And he's going to air, and he's one of those people that seems that he's fine airing those frustrations. And that must be the thing that Vince 
was upset about the fact that this is a guy who actually just won't fall in line and just get on with it but like the people that i do want to push it's so weird because there's also all the stories of Vince McMahon holding town meetings, you know, intentionally stepping, literally stepping on the toes of talent to see if they'll actually stand up for themselves. Which, and then yeah, but, saying, then, but, then, like, but then he openly then talks about the stuff like that stuff on the uh, Stone Cold podcast where he talks about people not wanting to reach out for that brass ring or not willing to push themselves the way that talent used to do. And then when someone actually does it, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, I don't like you now. And you're frustrating, and so you're going to be out of a job soon. It's, so it's such it's a double crazy. standard. And I wish Tony was here, because part of this Fightful Select report says there was never an actual intended payoff for the Randy Orton Bray Wyatt angle. And Tony beat that drum on this podcast for like seven months. And I don't... How do you have an angle run from Survivor Series through WrestleMania and say, well, we never had a real endgame for that? What, what, do, what is your job? Like, what are you doing? How do you not have an endgame? Now, there is also, I want to get to the side of the writer. Like, are they not coming up with endgames anymore because they're just like, everything's going to change at the drop of a hat anyway. Why bother? Mm. It's... Yeah. Right now, this era... It seems like just a a lot of a mess backstage. This era is going to one day, whenever they figure it all the fuck out, it's going to be talked about in the same way that 1995 is talked about, if not worse than... Because... They are just a mess right now. And the weird thing well, they, is, they're making record profit. Yeah. So that, like, that's that thing with this um, Q3 earnings call. They released, um, said that they have made uh, 255.8 million revenue for the third quarter, which is slightly lower than the second quarter. But to put it in perspective, uh, over in uh, like 2001, Obviously, if you want to go back and listen to stuff about that, there's obviously 2001 Wrestling Odyssey over on the uh, Smart Camo and YouTube channel and podcast feeds. But you mentioned the fact that, like, through that entire year of 2001 or 2000, when they were at the absolute hottest, they were making about $450 million for the year. They're now making over half of that for one quarter. Yeah. And we'll relate that back to the fact that every single um, talent release was... Uh, sent the internal message with the reason for their release being budget cuts. Now, I'm not going to be one of those people that sort of talks about the fact that, like, oh, because they're making record profits, the budget cut things is bullshit because... They might have a legitimate budget. Well, yeah, but... yeah, I, well, yeah, I imagine that they're trying to cut their talent budget. So that's the part of it. But, but it's just a case of this company just continues to thrive in spite of itself, it feels like. Which like, like is... it, it, it flies in the face of all, I would say all logic, but it's just a case of like, as you mentioned earlier, they're a legacy brand and they and they survive on the fact that they get these huge TV deals from Fox and USA. And that's their, that's their big like cash cow. That's the thing they're riding on for the next few years at the very least. And 
they are considered the heavyweights in their industry because they've been there for so long and until AEW came around there's been no real standout competition and so they can keep doing decisions like this and they and people can keep bemoaning it and calling them out on their bullshit but at the end of the day they're still going to be the top name and they're still going to get the millions of people tuning in and stuff like that because that's what that's just the way that it is until it was until it's not and we don't know when that not's going to be or if it is, it is ever going to come along it's so strange to me that they're just like yeah we're doing great oh by the way survivor series is one of our tent pole events and then they're not doing a fucking thing to build up survivor series there, there are two weeks left for a show that is being held in Brooklyn, New York. And it's one of the tentpole events. And they're like, yeah, no, we're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And I, it's amazing what they can get away with. It's, they don't even have to try anymore. It's, it, it's really unfortunate. And I feel really bad for the people who are thriving in this era like the Drew McIntyres and stuff like that. Because as we all know, as you've said during some of the uh, fantasy booking, you don't see Brett and Sean as top guys because they're top guys in a middling era. Drew McIntyre is forever going to have that stench where it's mm-hmm. like, he was top guy, but that was during the era where they were in a Thunderdome and they were just releasing people left and right so yeah he was the top guy that's because they released Bray Wyatt that's because they didn't have Brock Lesnar that's like I feel bad for those that are thriving just as much as I do for those that are losing their jobs because they are thriving in a place where admittedly nobody wants to be anymore people are openly talking about how even the independent circuit is thriving to a point where it feels more fresh and more rewarding than being in WWE. Matt Cardona is as over as he's ever been, if not more so. And he's just wrestling an impact in GCW. You know, it's, I feel bad for everybody. Yeah, I also feel bad for um, a number of people who, in the WWE offices, that lost their job during these uh, round of cuts as well, because I probably should mention those ones as well. Um, so, uh, a number of people in primarily seemingly Stephanie McMahon's team have been uh, have been released, including uh, Senior Vice President of uh, Creative Services, Stan Stansky, which is just a ridiculous name. I just had to put that <laughs> that's, out there. That's a great name. Uh, Senior Vice President of Global Marketing, Beth Davis. Uh, Vice President of Branding, Laura uh, Petricelli. Uh, Vice President of Partnership Marketing, Laura Todd. Um, uh, Senior Vice President of Global Marketing and Sales Strategy, John Stamatis, and uh, uh, Talent Sales and Global Partnership, a uh, member of the Talent Sales and Global Partnerships Department, Mike Giacco, a previous uh, previous 24-7 champion. Yeah, and, you uh, our truth, uh, uh, I think our truth stumbled backstage. Yeah, That's and also, also, saw the, um, also saw the official departure of uh, Christina Salen, who was the... Who was um, on the fucking call. <laughs> I'm yeah. Cool. yeah, so she was a chief financial and administrative officer, but she has been released and has been replaced by the who was the inter, uh, Frank A. Riddick III, who was the interim in the interim role at that point, but uh, is now fully in that role. So, so weird. 
Yeah. But yeah, so there's it being a lot of releases behind the scenes as well as like in the offices of WWE as well as the main talent as well. So again, this is the whole I I think there's now there should be more memes of Nick Khan as Thanos doing the snap, essentially. Yeah, by the way, Seven McMahon during that call. Oh, we see our superstars like they're part of the Marvel universe and so many people well, yeah, they all snap. Yeah. <laughs> so many people were like, Yep, snap. <laughs> No, wasn't there one point, because I'll, I'll tie this into this as well, because I believe at one point during that earnings call, Stephanie said something like, oh, we've got some bad news. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. The Miz was eliminated from Dancing with the Stars this week. I'm glad, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that's the um, bad news that she's uh, joking about. She she is now striking me, and I've always heard these stories about, and I, and I know I've said things in the past about Stephanie McMahon, but I always hear stories about how well, everyone loves her behind the scenes, and she's such a sweetheart and everything like that. But saying things like that, she comes across such a callous bitch. It's not like... So, and her face is used for some of these memes. So it's kind of appropriate. But, like, she is the embodiment of that... I, I also want to say Karen, but, like, she'll, she'll look the embodiment of, like, that rich successful Karen that thinks she's like doing the world a favor like philanthropy is the new marketing like she thinks oh but I I am so caring and even if she is she comes across as so disingenuous and and, she's a perfect (laughs) poster child for professional wrestling because she comes across so fake she really does and I feel bad because maybe Maybe she's just oblivious to it, but she comes across so fucking disingenuous, and it's terrible. Yeah, I guess considering who her father is, it's not like the apple hasn't that, fallen too far from Vince the tree. Vince comes then. across more genuine than she does, though. Yeah, but I think Vince... that's because she—that's because I feel like there is part of her, or at least there is the—I think there is a genuine attempt of her to try and move things forward and be progressive and really change things but she does it in such a way which seems like she's she's got the mixture of like she wants to impart changes she wants to improve things and she does have some genuinely good ideas and concepts and wants to see the progression of especially women in all forms of business and professional wrestling but then she goes about it in such a way which is just so vincent man in terms of make it all about her, use it as an opportunity to market themselves and market how great they are. So it comes across so disingenuous. So, so, even, if, so even if she is attempting to do things in a real genuine attempt of like making improvements and making benefits and doing the right thing, because it's all swathed in that corporate bullshit, it's so hard to even tell right. whether she's actually being uh, genuine or not. And this is why I think Vince comes across more genuine than she does, because... I think Vince is of a time where you still needed to have a genuine likability about you. Whereas Stephanie, I think, comes across and really thrives in this era of like, oh, we have to treat corporations like families. And, you know, that it doesn't work. Like, like people see through it. You know what I mean? And... Yeah. It's possible not to at this point. Yeah, I just feel so bad for for her because I genuinely think that she genuinely thinks she's 
you know, oh, I got some bad news to report. Amaze was let go by Dance with the Stars. And her demeanor on these calls has made it even worse. Because it's like the it's like the character that says she invented women's wrestling turned up to 12. You know, like she it's too much. Oh my god, could you imagine this football player? driving a pure life truck into an arena? No, but you can do that in WWE because we have all the scripted structure of a great movie and all the great actions. It's it's so like, oh, I don't I don't buy what you're saying because it sounds like you're trying to sell me something. Yeah. So that's a lot of the um I mean talk about the Miz being eliminated. I mean obviously he, he yeah, has been he has left the show now. Um uh, when did he finish, actually? So uh, it came down to Miz and JoJo oh, okay. for this week. JoJo Siwa. And JoJo Siwa is, you know, huge star for the younger demographic. Miz is great. And, like, look, I think the Miz is fantastic. And it's for all the reasons why I said that not everybody should be a Miz. Why I'm surprised this company hasn't pushed him further. Because he's legitimately the best, you know, poster child and corporate you know hey go here go there and he can do it all and do it all with a hollywood smile i'm surprised they don't do more with him but he seems like he seems like he's a nice guy i get the, the feeling that if put in a room with him and stephanie miz is probably a more likable guy you know what i mean that's just the vibe i get no yeah there's nothing i don't think there's anything wrong with the miz like personality and stuff like that it's just I'm quite disappointed of him being eliminated because it means he's going to be back on TV soon, and that's. Uh, and uh, do you again, think now, now? Do you think they put him with John Morrison in that feud, or do you think they just like they'll put him against anybody just because it doesn't matter you're, anymore? You're, honestly, I think they're going to give him a dancing gimmick. Oh God, I, I think they will. Uh, I think they'll have I mean, him appear, and they'll have um, they'll see if they can get um, his dance partner to appear alongside him for a little bit as well. And they'll make that part of his character now that he, let's say, oh, I learned a few things on Dance with Stars, then part of in wrestling matches, he can do some sort of like moves and stuff like that to avoid people and things like that. I hate it. You're so right. <laughs> uh, Fandango has talked about, like, he thinks he's given a dancing gimmick just so that Vince McMahon could fuck with Chris Jericho for doing oh. Dancing with Stars. I mean, again, nothing would surprise me at this point, so... Uh, talk about other. There's another release to talk about, but not on the WWE side of things. Um, Tom Lawler has left uh, MLW, and I know you've been a big uh, advocate of him joining this AEW. Man. Yeah, I the the main the uh, Minneapolis street fight at full gear needs to end with Tom Lawler getting Dan Lambert out of the walls of Jericho and dragging Dan Lambert on top of the Jericho and letting Dan Lambert pin Chris Jericho. That is what I would do. Because Tom Lawler is great. He needs to be in a bigger company. And I think this is the perfect entryway for him to do it. Yeah, I think that he's obviously a guy with a lot of talent. He's obviously he's doing work with New Japan Strong as well. But, yeah, I feel like now he's out of his contract with MLW. I feel now's the time for him to take a step up. And AEW seems like it would be... A good, a good ground for him to work on. I don't know if that necessarily will be. It'll be he'll be directly joining as part of this American Top Team angle, but and so it'll be a perfect catalyst for it. 
Yeah, and I think, like, look, even if you don't want to do that, you need to do something with Tom Waller and AEW because he needs to be there. Uh, got a few injury notes as well. Uh, Zoe Stark is to undergo knee surgery or has undergone knee surgery. I don't know whether she's... That's uh, unfortunate. Uh, yeah, so she suffered an injury during the uh, Scareway to Hell Ladder match. And, yeah, so that's... Uh, but, yeah, it's unfortunate. She was, um, she'd been pushed pretty heavily as part of the attack uh, team of the Shirai. And now she'll have to take some time on the sidelines. Hopefully she has a swift recovery and comes back better than ever. Uh, there's also a couple of uh, injuries over more on the independent or Ring of Honor side of things, or at least what Ring of Honor's got left. Um, had a uh, Mance Warner. Uh, yeah. So, so he's a uh, he's they both suffered injuries during a um, NGW Tennessee event. Uh, so Mance Warner's undergone a surgery on a broken tibia and fibula. So that's obviously that's pretty serious injury. And so, uh, well. Matt Warner did get hurt, but I believe uh, I don't think they said where he got the surgery. Dan Housen got the injured tibia and tibia. And oh, I'm only reading it off uh, Sean Ross Sapp's uh, tweet saying like Matt Warner underwent surgery on a broken tibia and fibula yesterday. So oh, well, there, there you go. I guess they both suffered the exact same injury yeah. and both got the same surgery. Uh, yeah, Dan Housen and Matt Warner, great names. They should probably land themselves somewhere soon. I think comedy wrestling, it's not my cup of tea, right? Mm. But in the same way that I think Orange Cassidy is great, I think Danhausen is also great. And I think Danhausen could find himself in AEW as a fun character. But I also feel like maybe he's just better suited for the indies. And just staying there. But I'd like to see him get a little bit more exposure because he's a fun character. And before we move on to TV stuff, because there's been a lot of uh, negatives so far. <laughs> been a lot of uh, a lot of discussion, a lot of just animosity towards just the way WWE's going in general. But anyway, at least a, a positive note story is that um, uh, Vic Joseph and Mackenzie Mitchell have gone engaged. Uh, yeah, I like them. They're very, they seem like, they're very great people, and they seem very happy together. And we on this podcast love love, and congratulations to them. And, yeah, I hope that they have a lifetime of happiness. Absolutely. And if we are on YouTube, you should be wishing all the same to uh, Tony and Caroline in the comments. Absolutely. Well, and, yeah, those two are about to head off to Brazil. They, they seem like they're over the moon, and I couldn't be happier for them as well. Okay, so solid, nearly two hours in. Let's talk about some TV. That's uh, we'll we'll probably speed through this stuff a little bit because there's uh, I think there's there there are some talking points, but I don't feel like there's anything super 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 over the top. But let's start with uh, Monday Night Raw. Go back to the beginning and work back from there. Actually, let's first of all, is there anything worth talking about from either NXT UK or uh, Two or Five Live? I did not watch either show this week because. Uh, NXT UK was coming on right as the investor call was coming on, and then the firing started. So no, I did not watch either show. Okay, I, I, I just quick, uh, a glance at the results. I'd say like the only thing that's really worth talking about on um, NXT UK is that uh, Rampage Rampage Brown won a match, and then he attacked um, Ilya Dragunov. So that's probably the next um, NXT UK Championship feud. 
And Mako Satamora successfully defended the NXT UK Women's Championship against Ginny. Yeah. Is that. And then over on NXT UK, not NXT UK, over in 205 Live, should I say, uh, Roderick Strong won a match against uh, Rufeng. Um, Valentina Feroz beat Erika Yan. And the Grizzled Young Veterans beat Jacket Time. Which is the yeah. name of Ikamanjiro and Kushida. It's just yeah. You want to talk about that? Okay. No, I'm, I'm I, I can't. There's too, there's been too much already. I don't really want to. It's just it, it's a, it's a stupid about, name. Yeah. My favorite thing about that promo is that Ikamanjiro said we should call we should call ourselves Japanese Japanese. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, yeah. Jacket time. Yeah. So let's let's move on to uh, let's talk, talk about Raw then. So it opened with uh, Becky Lynch defending the Robin Championship against Bianca Belair. Um, good match from all accounts. And Lynch won by sending Bianca into the uh, exposed turnbuckle and then rolling her up. And so Bianca loses again. Kind of a bit yeah. of a thing at this point. And I think, uh, look, I get that people are upset about this, but it's okay. Like Bianca, Bianca had a great year. You know, I, I don't want this to become a situation where I'm talking two years from now and saying, well, in 2021, Bianca had a great year. But for right now, I feel comfortable in saying she had a good year. This is how things happened. She was eventually going to get cycled out. It just feels bad because there are people who are just like, ah, oh, fuck. So Becky comes back and Bianca is useless. And I understand that perception. But... I think that this would have been the direction for Bianca by this time of the year anyway, because for some reason they don't, they cycle people like this. They never like just keep a consistent push going. Cause even McIntyre has spent part of this year fighting Jinder Mahal, you know? Yeah. And uh, later in the night, uh, Becky Lynch was kind of promo and she was interrupted or at least like turned into Liv Morgan. Yeah, this and needs it, to happen. I mean, does it? Like, well, like, Liv Morgan needs needs Nick, a shot. No, Liv Morgan needs to win matches. That's what she needs to do. And that's then true. I'll say, like, okay, then she should be challenging for it. That's the issue that I have, and I know this. that's the, not the way this company works, but Liv Morgan has, has spent the last couple of months jobbing out to Carmella. So why I'll, is she I'll the next in that. line? That. Why is she next in line for the Women's Championship? It's just... I want to see her win at least two or three matches and then she gets a title shot. That is fine. That can work. I have no problem with Liv Morgan as a person or as a character challenging for the uh, Women's Championship. I just don't think that Liv Morgan at this moment in time, when she's off the back of a losing streak, should be challenging for the Women's Championship because it makes the Women's Championship... It make, make, Again, it just builds into the whole narrative of WWE, which is obviously a, a very clear narrative that anyone can see, is that wins and losses don't matter. They really don't. Yeah. They really don't, and so, that's unfortunate. Um, Austin Theory defeated Rey Mysterio due to a disqualification in uh, thanks to a uh, Dominic Mysterio hitting um, hitting Austin Theory and the referee using his spider senses to figure that out. And that's weird because sometimes referees are just like, "Well, I know that I saw this thing happen, but I'm gonna count the three anyway." I hate when they play around with the referees like that. But uh, Australia's elite keeps getting wins and they're continuing the what seems to have been going on for at least six months at the moment, the breakup story between Rey Mysterio and Dominic. But, you know, that's 
I'm sure. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to drag that out to WrestleMania. So. Yeah, this is their storyline this year that they're dragging out to WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, Carmella and Zelina Vega defeated, well, Queen Zelina, that she's now referred to, defeated uh, Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley in a... Shout out to Tony. He called that one from a mile mm-hmm. away, that they would just pair those two together and put them in tag title picture. Yeah. So this will be a feud over the tag team titles for the next two or three months, I imagine, before they have to figure out another women's tag another team. Another team and then throw them together, while also simultaneously breaking up Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley. Yeah. So, yeah, I imagine the next team will be something like... Tegan Knox and Asuka or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It could be anybody at this point. Uh, if Tegan Knox ever gets on TV at the very least. Um, Finn Balor beat Chad Gable. That's just the match, the thing that happened. Um, and another match between the Street Profits and the Dirty Dogs. The Dirty Dogs win again because uh, almost keeps coming out without AJ Styles because AJ Styles, for some reason, is off TV. Which is peculiar. Yeah. But it's a non-medical issue, apparently. Right. He's off TV. Uh, so that's that's another thing that's happening, and so we're going to see more matches between the Dirty Dogs and RK Bro, it seems, for the tag titles. Honestly, all four guys, fantastic wrestlers. Mm. I am, like, but I'm burned out on Ziggler. I'm burned out on Bobby. And, like, Randy Orton going from spending last year in the WWE's title picture to spending this year in the tag team scene with Riddle? Because this started right after WrestleMania, did it not? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, we're going to get a year of that. It's very strange. I'm guessing it'll pay off in a series of matches at WrestleMania and then following WrestleMania. But still, like, it just feels weird. Uh, Damian Priest defeated T-Bar in an ODQ match. I'm surprised because Call- the fact they had, it, had him win, that it wasn't for, a t- it wasn't for the title. I'm surprised that they bothered to give actual microphone time and, and actually they're still putting a spotlight on Apollo Crews. Yeah, so now Apollo Crews will, I mean, if it's anything, indication like last year, he's now going to spend the next six months battling uh, Damian Priest for over the mid-card title. So. But he'll eventually, so Damian Priest right now is my front runner to win the Royal If it's not like a Brock Lesnar or something, I think it'll be Priest. And I think in order to do that, he has to lose the U.S. title, maybe at, like, day one or something. But I think Priest is the guy that they're going to put the rocket on. Uh, my eggs firmly in the Brock Lesnar basket at the moment, but uh, we'll have to see whether uh, my opinion can be swayed on that and what happens going forward. And then in the main event, Big E defeated uh, Kevin Owens. Uh, it was due to, like, a roll-up after um, Kevin Owens tried to capitalise on Seth Rollins' interference. He then apologised to Big E, challenged Seth Rollins for the following week. Big E didn't accept the apology, hit Owens with a big ending. Uh, this is pretty good. Pretty good angle. Yeah, I'm actually liking the WWE title picture. Look, is it an angle that's going to replace Rock and Austin as like one of the best? No, but I like when the focus is on the championship picture. Uh, moving on to NXT UK, we had Mandy Rose coming out to talk about... I think you mean uh, NXT 2.0. You said NXT UK. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. NXT 2.0, sorry. Uh, that's so interchangeable. I don't uh, No, it's, it's Yeah. Fine. Um, but Mandy Rose comes out. She gloats about obviously winning the uh, Women's Championship and this end up leads to a like, three-on-three brawl between her, her and the other members of Toxic Attraction against uh, Io Shirai, Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter. Uh, 
that's a thing that's going to, I assume, lead to a six-woman tag next week and then eventually leads to two separate matches over the titles. Yeah. It's a shame about Io, because, like, I don't want to see her on the main roster anymore because they'll just, they won't do anything with her. But I also feel like she doesn't fit as well in NXT 2.0. It's, I feel like she's kind of in limbo, at least in my eyes. Yeah. Casey and Kaden, they fit perfectly with NXT 2.0. And I'm sure that they will beat the golf bullies of toxic attraction and win those belts at some point. And we had Kokai, who's now demonstrating a split personality uh, character, or at least someone who's prone to bouts of anger and then taking it away. She defeated Cora Jade pretty easily, had a, a post-match attack, but then um, then decided to basically call herself off to a degree. So I assume she'll lead into a match with uh, another match with Raquel Gonzalez when Gonzalez is back. Do you think that Dakota eventually actually beats Raquel Gonzalez? I think she gets one win over her, and then Raquel wins the uh, rubber match. Because obviously they've already had the match for the NXT Women's Championship beforehand, so so they'll go one-on-one, and then Raquel will get the victory in the end. But, um, Fair yeah. enough. Um, the latest sign of... WWEification of NXT is Robert Stone and Zion Quinn doing a karaoke competition. Yeah. And then yeah. having a match after that. How, Robert Stone, the poor guy, he's got, he's so talented and he chose to be a manager and he's been like a good manager, but they never really saw anything with him and yeah, Zion yes. Quinn, he's fine. He'll be on the main roster one day. I don't know if I'll actually do anything. Cause I don't know if anybody's actually doing anything right now, but I think he's he's good. Yeah, but this this absolutely sucked. So yeah. just just yeah, nothing to be particularly interested about. Uh we move on to uh Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner losing to um Legada del Fantasma. So I imagine this is not gonna be built towards with Kyle O'Reilly seemingly departing in the next month or so, he'll end up in a feud with Von Wagner, and Von Wagner will beat him, and that'll be his big, like, oh, he's arrived moment. Yep. Yep, so, again, uh, nothing Von, interesting there. Von Wagner. I I don't like it. I, I used to love NXT, and I just I can't get into anything on the show outside of Braun Breaker. Well, speaking of which, Bron Breaker defeated, uh, easily defeated Andre Chase in a match. So, I imagine he'll, I imagine he'll be champion sooner or later. Probably, maybe not the next champion, but the champion after that, I think. Now there is that rumor that like the next special event is set for December fifth. It is not known whether or not it'll actually be called Takeover. I can see it not being called Takeover because I can see them being like that was a Triple H thing. And I hope Braun Breaker eventually gets that belt. Uh, we'll move on to Silas Koa's in-ring debut, defeating the now-released Jeet Rama. How do you feel about him? Do you think they should have... Because he, he is a Samoan. I'm sure he'd do fine on the main roster. Well, he's the brother yeah. of the Uso, so yeah. he'd be a third Uso brother. I feel like he's fine having his own gimmick for the time being. He, he does look like he has some talent, and if they decide, okay, they can be part of this, the actual bloodline that's moving forward, then I'm sure they'll proceed ahead with it. 
No, I'm not trying to be Tony and do a, a dumb pun. I'm genuinely asking you. Do you think that's why they named him Solo? Because he's not doing the Uso thing? I just think that they just like coming up with dumb names. Oh, fair enough. So I, I didn't read too much into it beyond that point. Fair enough. Uh, got a... Uh, Boa defeat Grayson Waller because um, because of interference from LA Knight. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I don't know if they how they think this is helping get Grayson Waller over. Hey, remember when LA Knight did like a cool thing with the million dollar title? Uh, it just felt so long ago. Doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't it like really like it was just in like August, and mm-hmm. it feels so long ago. Moved on to uh, Carmelo Hayes had a like in-ring confrontation with Tommaso Ciampa over which one of them is the the A champion of the brand. That's and then that a ended, stupid thing. And then of it ended up. Of course, it's the person who's the NXT champion. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. And then it led to main event match, which is uh Kyle Hayes and Trick Williams against Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis, and Hayes and Williams got the uh, victory. So. Um, yeah, that's a pretty big deal because they tend to protect Dexter Loomis quite a bit. So getting the pin over him. And again, it, it adds more fuel to the fire that Gargano may not be sticking around because his last big job in WWE might be to put Carmella Hayes over as North American champion. And I'd be all right with it. But yeah, they might as well do that. That's like, if he's not going to be sticking around, then that's what you do. Uh, we'll save AEW for last because I do like to end on a positive note. Uh, so let's talk more about uh, SmackDown. So we had the uh, the whole build up from the start of it led to the main event. We'll talk about that as like an entire through line thing of um, Reigns, the, like the Bloodline coming out doing their stuff. Uh, they were interrupted by the New Day. They ended up setting up a main event match between Xavier Woods or King Xavier and uh, Jay Uso. If whoever what if uh, Woods won, then Uso would have to uh, bend the knee. If um, if uh, Uso won, then uh, Woods would have to acknowledge Reigns and bend the knee to him. Woods did win. Uso tried went to bend the knee, but then Reigns interrupted. They beat them all up, and so I imagine this is leading to a um a short term feud before Survivor Series, where uh, Woods takes Woods battles him for the Universal Title and just becomes another statistic in Reigns' reign. Just to lead up to hey, yeah, you're. You're beating up my friends, mm. so I'm gonna beat you up at Survivor Series. The damn the thing that sucks about this Roman Reigns angle, and like, look, we knew it early on when they put him against Jay. It nobody's gonna beat him. That's what made the Brock thing fun. Mm. Is that it was like, well, Brock might actually beat him. Not that you want to see Brock Lesnar's champion again, but Brock might actually win. I don't see anybody on the brand that can beat him. Now, they are doing the the Drew thing, but I'm not interested in that. Like, if you're going to tell me that Drew is the best guy that you've got to take on Roman, when Drew was having a hard time earlier this year with Lashley, and uh, even, like, Jinder was getting the better of him for a little bit, I, I don't know if I want to see Drew versus Roman. My issue is I, I don't see a believable challenger on the horizon for Roman Reigns. We saw the continuation of the Naomi and Sonya Deville stuff 
Shayna Baszler involved when Naomi seemingly defeated Shayna Baszler in a match after rolling up from the uh, clutch. But then DeVille said that because there should have been a rope break involved, which didn't happen, it meant that the pinfall didn't count. And so she restarted the match and Baszler applied the clutch and got the submission victory. I'm, I'm, very, I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying the way they're building this up. Yeah, I didn't say I'm very torn here because I am seeing people say, hey, let's move this along. But at the same time, it's like, let, you know, actually, if they're trying to tell a story, just let them tell the story, even if it's basic. You, you know the story they're trying to tell. And Naomi's on TV. So can you really be upset if that's what you've been saying that you wanted? Uh, they've done stuff to establish uh, Shotzi Blackheart now as a, a fully-fledged heel. Which I um, don't like because they haven't established Sasha Banks as a fully-fledged face, yeah. whatever. And the fact that like, now apparently she's had all these people that, that she's turned her back that turn her back on her into like, losing title shots and her tag team partner. And she's seemingly now intimating that she's going to get rid of the tank, which is a big part of her character, or at least has been when she was a baby face. And so this is another indication of WWE stripping away everything this that is, helped get somebody the over. Thing. In this a, is the oldest thing. Like, yeah, like, hey, we actually really like this guy. He's a lot of fun. Now let's strip him of that. Hmm. It's, it's stupid. Like, Jesse Blackheart is a fun-loving baby face. Sasha Banks is like a Kardashian-level heel. Why? Yeah. But they need her to challenge Charlotte Flair because they don't have... They haven't established anyone else as a big enough deal to fight Charlotte Flair for the women's title. Dude, the four horsewomen are rapidly going from like, oh wow, we're so happy they're doing this new thing with women to like, fuck these women. Yeah, well, it's just a case of like, they should have been the foundation of which to, you establish these four and they're like the pillars of the company and you use those pillars to build up people, not above them, but alongside them and then eventually would take their place. And they just never, they've never reached that point. They've always just like, they've always just kept those four at the top and everyone else's can't climb those pillars or at least not for any considerable length of time. The only, one, the only ones that have managed to do it for, I guess, to a, to a degree are Bianca and Asuka. And even those two have like both been somewhat limited in how far they can go beyond them. And Asuka was firmly established as the the backup player. Mm. Where like Becky went down, we don't have Charlotte here, we'll give you an entire year of Asuka. But Bianca has seemingly been the only one that is like on par and has broken through because even Ripley feels like she's been firmly placed underneath them. I, I don't know. It just it feels it feels wrong. It feels frustrating because you want more for this division, and they're, right now they're just so complacent with like, no, we're still gonna coast on the fact that like the divi- we've gotten to the point where. Women's Royal Rumbles are a thing. Women's ladder matches are a thing. So we're going to put women who, whether it was their dream to have a ladder match or not, we're just going to like put them in these positions because now it's expected. You know, I, I don't like it. I just don't like anything I see with the women's division right now. Uh, we had uh, Los Lafarios in their first match on uh, SmackDown. That's obviously a team of Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo. I like it a lot. 
and they beat uh, Cesaro and Mansoor. I like um, it a lot. Yeah, they're 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 a very good uh, tag team. They they show a lot more. Carrillo's now showing a lot more personality, and it's a lot more intriguing than when him as a a really bland baby face. Um, I I didn't really uh, find uh, I, I don't like uh, Cesaro just jobbing like that. That's that's just me, just because it just feels like he's an irrelevant part of the show now again. Look, I never wanted this to be right when I said they're going to let him beat Seth Rollins at WrestleMania and then never give him anything again. But I was. And yeah, it were. sucks. And uh, it sucks. Yeah. Drew McIntyre continues his tear of just beating everybody else on the SmackDown roster before he inevitably takes on Roman Reigns, this time beating Ricochet. Because they don't know if they want to do Drew versus Roman, Brock versus Roman, or Triple Threat. Yep. And there was a backstage segment as well where Ali um, offered to uh, help, uh, offered to team up with Ricochet. Ricochet refused, saying that he's a jerk. And so I guess we're now doing the main event feud between Ricochet and Ali now on SmackDown instead. Hey, look. Those matches were good. Mm. He was very happy with them. Maybe we can have some good matches. Uh, we had a, a happy talk segment with the Viking Raiders, which then led to a tag team match between the Viking Raiders and uh, Corbin and Moss, and the Viking Raiders won by count out. You wanna you wanna talk about the liking to a Viking joke? No, uh, I, I'm gonna be honest with you, Rob. I'm reading these results because I didn't watch the show, so well, let me tell you, as somebody who did who does the same. It's very shocking to me when yesterday was brought to my attention that Madcap Moss apparently said, "How did some some joke that was apparently like, oh, how did the woman suffocate? She took a liking to a Viking. What the fuck? <laughs> like, like what? What is that? Okay, I I just thought you would want to hear that because I was flabbergasted when I heard that. Yeah, well, again." It's hard to, it's really hard to shock me at this point in time with some of this stuff. Even stuff that, like, even a few years ago, I'd just go, just like, what, what? They actually said that? I'd just go, like, eh, it's part of the course now. It's, it's, it's a terrible, it feels like it's one of the worst errors they've ever been in, and that's really bad. Well, let's move on to something then that's always put a smile on people's faces, and, uh, at least, uh, Talk us about some actual pro wrestling. Let's talk about some AEW stuff. So yes. Dynamite on Wednesday. Uh, we had uh, Kenny Omega defeated Alan Angels in the story they've kind of built up about how that they've obviously taken off the um, the stuff that happened last year where the internet, well, a lot of people on the internet went crazy about the fact that Kenny Omega couldn't be at, at that time an unsigned uh, jobber in over a few minutes. Like, yeah. And then they decided to build this up into... Okay, sign now, and they're telling the story of the fact that Alan Angels is a guy who realistically shouldn't be on Kenny Omega's level, but is just somehow has his number or has something about him that can... We just won't die. Like, yeah, yeah, that can at least lead to mean Omega struggles a bit more than he should realistically do against someone with his record. Yeah, and it's a fun story. I like that they have taken... They take the criticism that's against them and they work it into a story... And I always appreciate that. And I like that Alan Angels is no longer wearing the mask. I like that he's sort of becoming his own man while still in the Dark Order. And 
I like the Kinio Mega Ball with the V trigger because you should establish those things as finishing moves. Mm. Had uh, CM Punk come out to cut a promo uh, where he dressed the uh, John Moxley thing and he called out Eddie Kingston as well to meet him at Rampage. We'll obviously talk about that when we get on to the Rampage stuff. But again, it's just another Punk promo where it's very good because he's very real in everything that he yeah. says. Yeah, this, and I've said this a lot lately, but he reminds me a lot of The Rock when The Rock came back in 2011 and it was like, oh, he's on another level. But Punk is on another level in a different way because he's just, everything he does feels like studio wrestling where the guys were still being presented as like authentic people. And Punk just comes across as so genuine. Even like the seamless transition from and damn it, I'm proud of John Moxley, and you should be chanting his name. And also Eddie Kingston, you disrespected me. I'm gonna be at in St. Louis on Friday, and I want an apology. So he had a um a free a free on free brawl between the Super Click and uh, Christian Christian Cage and uh, Jurassic Express, um, which ended up with uh, Christian hitting a concerto onto Adam Cole. Um, so at, yeah. at first I was like, okay, I want to see Christian Adam Cole, and I still do. But what they've announced for the pay-per-view is a three-on-three Paul Scanner match, and I'm like, yeah, I really want to see that match. Yeah, that that just sounds like so much fun. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of okay with that being like the drawing the line under this feud, and um, because it probably especially with the uh, Young Bucks and Jurassic Express has been going on for a little while now. But draw the line under it with that one. But it should be a really fun three-on-three brawl. So looking forward to that. Uh, we also had the uh, the AAA tag team titles on the line. Um, I know you mentioned something on the um, the Dynamite review, but I want to completely echo that sentiments that those championships look like they're made out of plastic. Dude, they look like they're they look like they were made on Etsy, and like not even like quality. Like they just look really really bad and for some reason and i've seen them before but i couldn't get over it on this show because they looked so out of place so ftr successfully defended the titles against uh aerostar and samurai del sol who if people aren't aware of that name is the uh was kalisto in wwe was totally kalisto he was even doing the lucha lucha hands he's good aerostar is great i wanted a little bit more from him like, I, I don't know, it just sort of felt like, okay, from what, from, like it's literally just Kalisto. From what I gathered from watching it, it was like a case of, I think that Aerostar got hurt or was just feeling something a little bit early on and so it was kind of off a step. And maybe it was a mixture of like the Clash of Stars because obviously one is heavily Lucha-based and the other ones are FTR, very much more map-based traditional tag well, team. But they, so. they've done it because remember it was FTR that they put through those stupid... And this match is competed under Lucha House Party rules. They're just like, so they work together. I, I just feel like maybe they were off a little bit of a step. It's still a fun match, but like, I I was expecting a little bit more from Kalita's first non WWE outing. So we had the Inner Circle and American Top Team having a verbal sparring match with each other before announcing their matches at Full Gear, which would be a a Minnesota five-on-five street fight where they decided to name the members of the uh, Men of the Year. 
obviously Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, uh, Junior De Santos, uh, Andre or- Orlovsky, and Dan Lambert, be the fifth member. Obviously, you've already mentioned how you want to see that match uh, close with uh, Tom Lawler taking out Jericho and helping American top team score the victory. Um, the segment itself, again, it's it's typically polarizing with Jericho stuff right now. Yeah, I've I, never gotten your opinion on those things. I I honestly don't mind it. I know it's very low hanging fruit, but I think that that there seems to be this this stigma that's now being associated with Jericho, which is a case of like, oh, the old man who's been at the company for too long and is like he's taking up time and he's maybe holding back Sammy Guevara and Proud and Powerful. And maybe again, maybe it's me being like too like enamored with everything that he's done in the past to maybe not be able to take a fair reflection and say like, oh yeah, he is doing he is doing his old Y2J stick. But I feel like some people are being way too critical on it on the other side of things as well. And I think this 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 stuff this stuff that they said about like the Paige Van Zandt stuff, like the stuff about the OnlyFans and taking on five guys at once. It's like uh, yeah, it's it's sophomoric humor, but sophomoric humor can be good. I think like so I have since the beginning of this feud, people have been like, these jokes suck, they're sexist, they're outdated, they're homophobic. But it's like if everybody's playing along and they're setting up the jokes, you can't just keep going, oh, that damn Jericho and that damn Lambert. You know, it's it seems like a team effort to me. I'll admit this isn't my favorite Jericho, just because Jericho's always been built on reinvention, and that's like the... He's not doing that right now. He's very much, I'm going to do Y2J, and everybody's going to pop. Now, again... Everybody is popping, so I feel like what I say doesn't matter. Because if it's working in the building, it's working. And that should be all that matters. I don't mind it as much, but of course, like, sophomore humor doesn't affect me all that greatly because a lot of people I know still have sophomore humor. So it is what it is. I think this weird thing where people act like all those jokes should be locked in a vault somewhere. You've got a long way to go before everybody who has relied on those jokes is just going to be phased out completely. That being said, Paige Van Zandt, I know a lot of people might feel like this is overblowing it. I do think she shows something, and she needs to be given an opportunity to flesh that out so we can see if it's good or bad. But Paige Van Zandt has been one of the highlights of this whole angle for me. Yeah, I think that she's been uh, doing very good. She clearly shows a lot of uh, good character work and she seems to be a good primer as well. My question is that whether she does want to do it because that's always been the big talking point, is it? Because I can't imagine that ever since Paige Van Zandt started coming onto the scene that she's never been approached to do pro wrestling, whether it's with AEW, WWE or anybody else. And the fact that she hasn't done it does give an indication like this is the closest she's ever come to being with wrestling promotion. So I'm just wondering... If she wants to do it, then I, I think that she's more than worth giving an opportunity just because of hers, her name value and the personality she's shown so far. It's just, you know, just whether she wants to do it beyond this point. So right. we'll see. 
Um, we had the latest match in the TBS Women's Championship Tournament. We had two, well, actually had two matches this week, but the one that took place in Dynamite was between uh, Anna Jay and Jamie Hayter. A decent little match. I don't think it was like anything super spectacular, but uh, Hayter got the victory, so she advanced in the tournament where she'll take on uh, Thunder Rosa next. And yeah, Jamie yeah. Hayter's great. I think she's phenomenal, you know, and... I enjoyed watching your win. It was a quick match. One with a lariat. That's all you really need. Yeah. And you had uh, both uh, Ty Conchi and Thunder Rosa coming out to uh, make the save when they did a post-match attack on Anna Jay. And uh, yeah, I think they're they're doing a decent job. Nothing super spectacular, but decent enough to uh, see uh, uh, Conchi's uh, challenge for Britt Baker's title. So they're building that up. Uh, we had a um, a typically great MJF uh, promo segment where he addresses uh, Darby Allen, talks about uh, all the stuff about them being the pillars of the the like the actual AEW homegrown stars. Talk about them being like how he's going to beat Darby with a headlock takeover, and because Darby's going to get over emotional and he's, that's going to lead to his downfall in their match at Full Gear. Uh, Alan says that he's not going to get over emotional, but then during a post-match brawl where you had like Sting and Sean Spears and loads of other random, um, random assortment of people. Yeah, random sort. Apparently, X Park as well. It's the yeah, yeah, that was clearly something that they thought. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and then eventually it led to, um, but Alan did kind of lose his cool a little bit, and I guess that's the story they're going to play into in the match, which is they're going to try. He's going to try and keep wrestling with mjf but eventually he's going to start doing more of his daredevil stuff and that's going to end up costing him and mjf will be able to take advantage of that but it's a match i'm very much looking forward to i feel like i'm looking forward to this match so much because it feels like one of the first times in a long time they're putting emphasis on their pillars now then i kind of want to see darby allen win because i think the mjf formula right now is he always wins the first match, and then you build up to rematch. I want to see Allen beat him first, and then MJF doesn't get a shot. Because MJF, as good as he is, there's already you're already forming a formula, and I want to see that broken before it gets a chance to stay. So what you're saying is you don't want to see MJF win and then win the title on the very next uh, episode of Dynamite? I, I do not want to see that uh, in West Virginia. No, I, I, I don't. But I, I do think, and I've said this a few times, that MJF could be a great foil for Hangman out of page. And I do oh, think absolutely, he should be. I, I, think, I, I have no question about the idea or like no like qualms of the idea that MJF should be the world champion after Page if Page does win a full gear. That makes yeah. perfect sense. It just doesn't have to be the very next show. Right. We had uh, Cody Rhodes versus Andrade El Idolo. Um, again, another good match between those two. And uh, because uh, when, when uh, Rhodes attempted a um, suicide dive, uh, FTR interfered, attacked him. That led to Andrade getting the pin with the uh, Hammerlock DDT. Um, uh, Lucha Bros came out and made the save when they had like a post-match attack between uh, Andrade and uh, FTR. And so that helps build towards presumably some sort of what we imagine will be a tag team match between Cody and uh, Pac against El Idolo and Malachi Black at uh, full gear, as well as obviously the tag team championship match. So, yeah, I think this is pretty good. 
I liked it. I I get so geeked for dumb things like, oh shit, Arn and Tully are squaring off, and I I do think it's all going to be revealed at some point that they're in on it because they haven't they they've never said a crossword to one another on television, and I think at some point it will be revealed that they were they're masterminding something. I don't know if I like the fact that Andrade keeps getting to use FTR. I really wanted more from the pinnacle mm. and I'm waiting for that to come to fruition. Yeah, it has it has felt a little bit that they felt a little bit dis- disparate for, since their formation really. So um then we had the uh world title eliminator tournament semi-final. Obviously it was meant to be Orange Cassidy against John Moxley with John Moxley going into uh like taking time away he was replaced with Miro who is the absolutely perfect choice to take over they had a um another very good match uh Miro defeated him and uh forced him to tap out to the game over and then we get Brian Danielson against uh Miro which I'm surprised has never happened on WWE they never had yeah they never had a match as uh Rusev against uh Brian uh Daniel Bryan which I think you gotta, you gotta say, like, that's fantastic that even if they're doing WWE guys, they're doing matches that haven't happened. Yeah, it's it's definitely, um, I mean, there's there's practically no match on full gear that's listed at the moment that I'm not looking forward to, but that's one that I'm uh, definitely super excited about. Uh, that is absolutely one of the ones that's top on my list. I don't know if I want Miro to be the first guy to be Brian, though. It, it is quite interesting because I felt like because now obviously the plans have changed because we don't know how, how it was going to end. I felt just beca- between um, uh, Moxley and Danielson, if that was the the idea, and it seems like it was the idea because Cassidy didn't win, so I imagine that they were going to go with um, Moxley in the first place. And so with Moxley building up, to, like having a bit more of an aggressive streak to him when he during the match with Ted and stuff like that, it felt like he might have been turning heel. And so that would be more in line with him challenging Paige. But I don't feel like, I mean, that's that's now the choice you make. Do you go with Danielson and have him challenge for the world championship? Because I feel like Paige could be the first guy to beat Danielson. I think that really helps establish Paige as your world champion if that's like his first person that he defeats. Or do you go with Miro to do the more baby-face and heel dynamic? I think... Uh, Danielson Page is more enticing and I think if you look at it like that you could always say like Brian is a baby face but Brian came into the company saying nah I want to beat the shit out of people so you can always turn him at the same time Miro was never world champion ever so you can always say oh does Miro run through Hangman Page to get, you know, the love of his wife back and all that stuff. So there is, there are still multiple options. I just think I'd go with Danielson because I don't want Miro to beat him first. Now, part of me is like, actually, like, when we talk about this, like, making me, like, super excited for the Hangman Page reign. If it does happen, it does start full gear. But because we talk about this and we talk about old Danielson and we talk about Miro and every one of those ones feels like they could be Page at any point in time. And I think that's going to make his reign very exciting because every time that he has his challenge, as long as it's like a top tier person like those two or it's like Punk or MJF or anything like that, people are going to think that 
okay, this is the one where the title reign ends. Right. So I hope he, I hope he doesn't lose it on the first couple of attempts because that would kind of ruin that speculation surrounding it. But and the, yeah. yeah, and they are starting to become more stories like that where people are expecting him to lose it quickly. So they could have him hold on to it for longer. Uh, over on Rampage, it started with uh, Brian Danielson against Anthony Bowens. Uh, Max Caster cut one of his um, rapping promos to start with, including mentioning, alluding to uh, uh, like uh, John Laurinaitis uh, releasing a lot of WWE talent, like uh, ba- Danielson's father-in-law. Which is crazy, because at first I had to like think about who his father-in-law was, mm. and then it hit me, it's John Laurinaitis. Which I, I think is fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. they had a good match because Danielson only knows how to have good matches at the moment anyway, and that ended up with a um, yeah, ended up with him defeating Bowens, of course, in the label lock. So he's winning with every move in his arsenal at this point. So that's good to establish, and still super looking forward to that match for um, uh, full gear as we mentioned. Um, new, a new match was actually booked for Full Gear as well when we got um, an unbelievably good promo segment between CM Punk and Eddie Kingston on Rampage. Uh, I think, like, this is the beauty of AEW, right? Hmm. You take a guy like Eddie Kingston, who was in the industry forever, but never really broke through, and you take a guy like CM Punk, who... Well, yeah, there's all these stories of him leaving. There's story. Here's a story from like 15 years ago that nobody knows existed, you know. Mm. And it's so raw and so genuine. I, I love it. It's a, I love this segment just because even though there are bits and pieces where they were a bit like I don't say started a little bit, but like moved like it felt. It felt unscripted, but that's because that was the beauty of it as well. It's that it was seemingly unscripted, and those two were just playing off their history, and they were given like a few bullet points. Okay, we need to lead to this, but then they just said, "Okay, go out there and do it." And these two were just so good at what they do that they could just tell that story between each other about like having to be have a, a fully fledged script listed out with pre-planned verbiage and stuff like that. Just go and go with the motion of the audience, and the audience was so into it. You just tell they were just listening to everything. They were so they were super into both guys, which is great as well because Kingston is beloved. Even though I feel like he'll be the one that plays heel in this one a little bit more, but they're they're both showing babyface and heel tendencies throughout what they were doing. Yeah, I just absolutely loved it. I thought this was a great segment, and I'm very much looking forward to their match at Full Gear. And I, I really liked the idea of you know who's going to be the first guy to get under CM Punk's skin. And you're thinking, oh, it has to be like MJF. And no, it's a guy from his past that he didn't really even interact much with, except for here's a guy who can bring up how much of a shitbag CM Punk is Mm -hmm. in his past life. Because, yes, you are telling the story of CM Punk as a very mentally healthy version of himself. But he was an asshole. And I lo- I loved the promo. And again, so raw, so genuine. Uh, we had the latest match now in the um, TBS Championship uh, tournament. The most uh, probably the most inconsequential match of the entire tournament. 
because it's the bunny against red velvet red velvet defeated the bunny but it didn't really matter who won anyway because the next person in the line facing them will be jade cargill and jade cargill yep. will obviously win so yep yep just there there it is yep don't really much more to say about that and then the main event was adam cole against john silver in an excellent match because john silver is great and adam cole is great and yeah that, there's very really the much right more to say won. about that these two are these two are awesome and they have an awesome match and the right man won and you know the adam cole is so good and i can't believe they let him walk because he's he walked right onto the perfect tv show for him and you had the perfect opportunity to be like no WWE is your dream and then he walked they let him walk right onto the perfect global program that is built for adam cole mm. it's crazy yeah but yeah so again still more build towards the um the free on free match that will happen uh at full gear but yeah it was a good episode of rampage and uh dynamite good episode of rampage good episode of dynamite a, a perfectly told story throughout all these shows aew and look they're eventually going to hit a point where something's going to get formulaic something's going to get a bit messy but right now really savor this they are in a can't miss era of their run and i just hope it lasts for as long as it can absolutely and yeah so that's uh that brings us to pretty much an end of everything unless there's uh something that you would like to add i i do believe that is the end of everything i will I will just do a quick once over of the news. Oh, let's talk about this real quick. Okada has challenged the former Buddy Murphy to a match. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Um, it's probably going to be great because the thing that's always been, um, well, a lot of people have always uh, drawn comparisons between uh, Buddy Murphy and uh, Kenny Omega. So, uh, yeah. So I imagine that uh, that will be. That, that'll be pretty similar to uh, this as well. And we're going to see, yeah, I think it's going to be a great match because Kyle looks like he's back to his best because he's recently won the G1. And so that means he's now, he's literally using now in the focus belt. again. Yeah. Yeah. And... Now he's, yeah. Yeah. Now is the focus point again. And so, yeah, I think that it'll be, it'll be an excellent match because both guys are great. And I mean, they need a little bit of stability right now because that new world title seems like it's cursed. <laughs> it, it does. Like, a lot of mm. people keep getting hurt, and it's unfortunate, but I'm excited to see that match. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. So, yeah, that, again, a few positive things to uh, end off on after what is a pretty, uh, a pretty somber edition of the news. People losing their jobs. It's obviously never a nice thing to see. But there is excitement in what we hope to see for them in the future. So, so always try and find the uh, silver lining in things. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Along the lines of like, hey, Tony's no longer here, but you still got us. I don't you know. Do you do still have us. Yeah. And this was a longer one, but I'm glad we could bring it to you, even though Tony is away taking a much-needed vacation. Yeah. And continue to support, guys. Continue to support. Smart out moment. And Fanboys Anonymous, our sister website, by just checking out the websites, checking out the articles, check out our YouTube and all the stuff we've done. Like, I know not only are you getting the fantasy booking stuff, but over on the Patreon, on the Darkcast here, there's a 
we did a watch along of Halloween Havoc 93, which came out of the blue. And we've done you know, watch along King of the Ring on our YouTube. And all that stuff is there. Check out Fanboys. We've done watch alongs all year long, practically, of movies like Jungle Cruise and Mortal Kombat. And uh, we did all the Batman animated movies that have come out this year. So just check that stuff out. Support uh, Tony by heading over to Patreon, by heading over to Redbubble, Public. Every dollar counts, especially now that they have a wedding to pay for. So all that stuff's great. Make sure to check out the website and all the articles, including the power rankings, which this guy contributes to, and he's fantastic. I know that the most recent one was headlined, is there any... Is there anybody even left to rank anymore? Which I thought was fantastic. I always, I always try and add a bit of color to my, to my uh, headlines for that one, just to, just to make a few jokes if I can, and any opportunity. So, yeah, hang on. And basically, it's along the lines of, if there's any opportunity to make fun of WWE, I'm pretty much going to try and take it. And um, nobody would blame you. Yeah, and so yeah, just check out the power ranking stuff. You can also track the, uh, the fantasy league because. I would tell you this week's uh, done well as pretty much the whole season has done a huge number of like my fantasy team's been fucked from the get go pretty much. But this week in particular has done pretty badly because this week I lost my fantasy league team. Uh, both uh, well, Kyle Riley's coming up soon. I lost Frankie Monet and I lost my captain carrying cross. So, <laughs> so no. And and the and the issue is I can't I can't replace any of them until I win stuff on um I win some more pay per view prediction contests. So I'm hoping a Survivor Series goes in my favour quite a bit. And uh, I'm now sitting. Uh, oh, I want to put it this way: if you haven't been tracking so far, just to give you a bit of a um, update. So on a from on week fifteen of this thing, there were about tw- there were just twenty five points separating first. And third, which at the time was Rob was first, I was third. Um, there were just yeah, just twenty five points separating us now. Now we're at week twenty five. Uh, Rob is still ahead with a thousand and nineteen points combined. Tony is close on his heels with nine hundred and eighty points. I am now sitting on seven hundred and eighty three points. Ooh. I am th- I am this season's Rob. Oh yeah, like last year, I was gonna let that happen to me twice. I'm this season's Rob, and unless I do something, unless I get a lot of trades available to me at Survivor Series, I'm going to walk into this without potentially three of my, at least two, potentially, well, well, well several members of my uh, roster unavailable to me for the foreseeable future until fucking day one on the 1st of January. So that's, uh, that's, that's the way things are looking for me at the moment, so... So yeah, but check out all that stuff as well, and you can follow me on Twitter at weekmice14. And Rob, why don't you round us out? That's right, and you can also follow me on every social media platform at DudeFelice, including Twitch. And I have started streaming. I did my first stream last Saturday, and I'm looking like Saturday might be the day that I do some streams because Saturday is the one day for sure that I am free. So. Follow me on twitch.tv slash dudefelice. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, at dudefelice. Check out fightful.com. Sean Ross Sapp was basically the main source breaking a lot of the release news. So go support him and the great team over there. And I thank you for everything. And as always, we'll be here next week 
continue checking out the fantasy league stuff and fantasy booking stuff for the all-time roster and we'll see you next time and as a, oh my god i've never oh i just realized i, I was waiting for tony to come in i had never gotten to do this so i'll do this that's all for us but for now this has been another smart out moment and we are being counted out